Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, my neighbor. Good morning to life. Good morning. Music. Talk. Inspiration. In perspective. Your station. It's a refreshing lifestyle. City FM, ninety-seven point three.
Breakfast City Breakfast Show. Why is it bumping noise? 24 minutes past 6, Tego Sisters, Anka Matiti, Anka Masei. And it's a really, really beautiful song. On the wings of which we enter February. It is the Lord's mercies and graces that have kept us alive. I would have been long destroyed. Welcome to February. Welcome to a new beginning. Welcome to a chance to get it right. So the, the call for the month is moderation. So somebody said recently, you are not as good as your gift. You must separate your gift from yourself. Your gift is your performance. It's your charisma. It's your talent. It's you at your best on the field, behind the mic, in front of the classroom, or behind that keyboard. That's your gift. But don't confuse your gift with your person. Don't judge people just by their gift. Judge them by their character as well. The fact that somebody speaks nicely and makes you laugh doesn't necessarily mean they're a good person. So you need to be leveled. You need to understand the difference between your person and what you've been given. What you've been given is what you use to fulfill your assignment on earth. But who you are is what you develop by your own choice. An important distinction you must make to keep you firmly grounded on the straight and narrow. So you are not your gift. You are not your talent. You are not your skill. You are different. Now, knowing that distinction keeps you grounded and helps you work on improving character. Business is brought to you by ADB. Great news for ADB. Those of you who have loans with us that you've serviced for up to 12 months or more. We have a special personal loan top-up to meet your school and hostel fees, your rent, your mortgage, your domestic needs and more. Call 059-384-48898. That's 059-384-4898. You reduce your interest rate, you extend your repayment period, and you maintain your existing monthly amount. Terms and conditions apply. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag CityCBS.
City's biggest conversation. 6.30 is the time. Still on 97.3 City FM. We want to just uh, breeze into the newspaper review segment. And that's brought to us by Total. We're so proud to be associated with the newspaper review brand. Committed to delivering quality and innovative products. Driving through any of their pit stops. Get the real quality of Total Marketing Ghana PLC. Total Energies. Petroleum Company of the Year. Three times running. We are in the Hall of Fame now. We are what we call a multi-energy company. That means we do different things within the energy chain. Exciting, innovative products to meet your needs and expectations. All right, so just welcoming the two gentlemen, Nathan Kwao. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Speak a bit Spanish to me, please. Uh, buenos dias. Hola. Hola. Which is guy? Yeah, no more. Speak a bit to me. I like you. Hola. Welcome, welcome. The view, hola. No, no. O catalfo. O folklo. O catalfo. O hola. O catalfo. Oh yeah, bon catalfo. Oh, you do bueno. Like you, o folklo tore. If you re, me shall we linye. What you did in Spanish in two seconds, we did it for two minutes. We are, we are deeper. Yeah. <laughs> we, are, we are very deep. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot happening this week. Um, yeah. So today, just to announce for people to know if you are listening to the news, today the 30% increase for uh, what do you call it? Electricity tariffs takes effect. Eight percent for water also takes effect. <laughs> then <laughs> the cocoa. <laughs> there's a new offer on the table, which I suspect has confused the individual bondholders because mm. you know the announcement was that if you are 59 and above, there's a different. Uh-huh. Demo. Demo. If you are 59 and below, <laughs> so when they asked Senor Jose, he said they are going to study this. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't take this helmet because in, in, the, in the past when they announced that thing, they say we don't it. like. Uh-huh. But, but this, this one, one, he said, you know, this one is looking some way. You have to look inside uh, well before we investigate. So what I'm going to what I'm going to do today is to uh-huh. try and explain what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll call some people to help me because yeah. it's some way. It's not straightforward. They have. They have they have compartmentalized the offer. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So it's not very straightforward. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. We'll try and deal with that yeah, as well. Mm. And on the political front, we hear that uh, the um, steering committee mm-hmm. of the MPP is likely to meet later today. Oh, I thought it was Thursday. Uh, no, that one is the the bigger uh, national executive committee. Meeting. Okay. Uh-huh. To determine their way forward. Yeah, yeah, that's right. On a matter of a number of issues, and mm. uh, we'll be monitoring the situation closely. So there's um, a lot coming up. What yep. are the papers? Thing, by the way. Okay, let me take you to the daily graphic for this morning. 75% TVET curricula outdated. <laughs> wow. According to a study. We'll tell you more about this story in a jiffy. Rent support scheme launched by the vice president whose photograph is here. And registrar general strikes out defaulting business names. The details in the jiffy. And domestic debt exchange program. Individual bondholders get revised offer. Deadline, we are told, has been extended. Okay, the Ghanaian Times says government launches 30 million CD nationwide rent scheme to increase access to safe, secure, affordable rental scheme. Three 
NDA officials, one other, granted 2 million CD bill for alleged procurement breaches. Domestic debt exchange program deadline extended to February 7th with new offer to encourage individual bondholders to sign up. Mm. GRA arrest 3 over non-compliance to electronic VAT system. Mm. And Ifiashua Snega fined 60,000 CDs for contempt of court. And on the back page of the Ghanaian Times, they say, will create opportunities for young girls through golf. And can Legon cities upset hearts? That's the question. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already know the answer. I know, right? <laughs> Let me take you to the uh, Herald newspaper. Yeah. NDC MPs now want Haruna Idrisu and Muntaka out. But <laughs> as angry Dr. Obedasama boy calls elders a meeting with petitioners. Also, there's a story here that says Mahama Yariga speaks against maltreatment of domestic private banks. They fear political victimization. Also on the front page, businessman Ali Seidu distances himself from partisan politics. And then Ghana still neck deep in corruption, according to the 22, 2022 Perception Index report. Okay, the finder says 30 million CD for phase one of rent scheme to support lower-income households and youth. Other stories, DDEP offers improved terms to individuals and those retiring this year, while deadline is extended to February 7. Mm. Four accused of inflating 5.7 million CD contract to 10.4 million CDs, mm. granted 2 million CD bail. And Ayarega wants BOG against using GAT to bail out banks. The Republic Press says this morning DDEP deadline is February 7. Comes with a photograph of the finance minister. Also, NDC rebel MPs meet party council of elders over minority reshuffle. Efia uh, Shwajniga dodges jail, finds 60,000 Ghana CD, signs bond of good behavior. And then Ghana records four deaths, 116 monypox cases. Okay, it's actually monkey pox. Monkey pox. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Chronicle says, "Fear John Mahama. Oh. He will amend constitution to extend his term." And that's Nana B speaking. And there's a picture of him holding a mic and has one finger in a warning pose. From this one, I don't get this one. Let's move on. <laughs> Rent assistance scheme is finally here. Mm. NHI free elderly care policy making great impact. And I'll pray to God and seek a draft for you. Tells Alan. Mm. And the Ghanaian publisher says this morning that Baumia Hale's rental assistance novelty. His photograph is here. Also, we're told that minority challenge, but they are challenging ban on imported use electrical appliances. But they were in parliament when it was passed, or? The ni- or the 90. <laughs> <laughs> or the 90. <laughs> <laughs> Otunfo advises MPP flag bearer contestants. We'll tell you more about that. And Forestry Commission, military, turn attention on Atewa. And some other stories on the front page. All right, the new crusading guide says, Drama over NDA chop chop tango. Mm. I want to travel abroad, says NDA boss. But court says, no. (laughs) Grant suspects 2 million CD bail. (laughs) Next, NDC government will 
in quotes, tweak the constitution. That's John Mahama speaking. No, that's not John Mahama. Ah, uh, no, that's, I'm just reading. Ah, okay. Yes. Ah, uh, okay. tweak the constitution. Yes. Okay. Tweak in quotes. Is that what Nanabi is uh-huh. saying he wants to uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we'll try and fi- figure out what, figure exactly what, what is happening. Anyway, other stories here. 2022 per- uh, Corruption Perception Index. Ghana couldn't make progress. Ranked 72 out mm. of 180 countries. Otunfo assures Alan Cash ahead of MPP primaries, my prayers are with you. And government commits 30 million CDs for rollout of national rent rental assistance scheme. All right. Uh, have you done the BNFT? Already? Yeah, that's right. I'm done with uh, what yes, I have I'm in done front with of me. Okay, let me move online to citynewsroom.com. A couple mm-hmm. of quick headlines for you. Uh, Senor Hosi is quoted as saying, revised DDEP terms a massive improvement. Meanwhile, Ayariga rise to BOG. Domestic debt exchange will weaken our private banks. Meanwhile, Ghana stagnates on corruption perception index calls for third for third time. And then callable doctors threaten to withdraw services over 13 months salary arrears. Mm-hmm. All those stories on our main website. Also, we are told that um, l- deadline for debt exchange has been moved again. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be yesterday. It's now February 7 with new terms. <coughs> and then this one is a bit troubling. River Pra and others may disappear oh, within Charlie. 20 years over Galamse. Oh, this is the Cocoa Board CEO. They may disappear within the next 20 years if Galamse continues. Mm-hmm. This is Cocoa Board CEO. Now let's go to Joy and see what they have. They're talking about DDE, state regulators accommodating fiscal slippage is what brought us here. Mm-hmm. Professor Godfrey Buckwing mm-hmm. says so. Also, um, Utah DIJ threatens to withdraw from Unimac merger. Uh, abolish protocol system in the CSSPS is a black one, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then trader jailed for causing harm to Good Samaritan. Oh, Charlie, that's something also that's come up as well. Assault of Latif, Attorney General begs for more time to pursue settlement talks. City Business News is leading with a deadline extension, mm-hmm. it's now February 7. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, we are told as well that government finally makes progress on debt exchange program. All right, so let's go into the details and see what we have. Okay. Um, uh, okay. Uh, Where should we start from? Domestic debt exchange. Yes. Okay. Page twelve of the Ghanaian Times, sure. and uh, the story says the government yesterday extended the deadline for the domestic debt exchange program to February seven, with new offers to encourage all individual bondholders to sign up. According to the Ministry of Finance, a new settlement date of February 14 will be confirmed via a revised and final exchange memorandum to be released tomorrow. Mm. This is the third time the government is shifting the cut-off date for the DDE since it was announced on December 5 last year as part of preparations to access support from the IMF. Mm-hmm. A statement issued by the MOF said all individual bondholders below 59 years would now be offered instruments with a maximum maturity of 5 years instead of 15 years and a 10% coupon rate. Well, I learned from Ben that the coupon is interest. Mm. Uh, good. Mm. For all retirees, including those retiring in 2023, it said, would be offered instruments with a maximum maturity of five years instead of 15 years and a 15% coupon rate. The statement said the new office would affirm that all individual bondholders were free not to participate. However, it reminded bondholders that upon a successful DDEP, there would be very few of the old bonds in circulation yeah. and likely limit... So it's not clear whether this is overall better. But if you read mm-hmm. citynewsroom.com, for example, Senyosi says the terms are a massive <coughs> improvement on what was initially offered. 
He was speaking to Sander on Eyewitness News. He says, this is not what we asked for or not. The consensus we reached with government was that it was going to make an offer to individuals and then we can make an assessment. The process remains voluntary. Subject to how the offer may work for you, you may accept it. If you don't accept it, government will still honor its old obligations to you. When you look at the offer currently, it's a massive improvement from what was originally on the table. And then he says, for the revised terms, for the pensions fund, you will be losing about 15% as against the original of 50. So it depends on how it works for you. It may be good. Another thing you may be looking at is your own market expectations. So basically, they are not sure. Now, but what Ariariga is sure of mm-hmm. is that the debt exchange will weaken domestic private banks. It's even alleging yeah. that they want to expropriate or take shares in some of these banks. Yeah, if you go to page 17 of the Daily Graphic, the story is dealt with by Nana Kunidwa Jiman. And mm-hmm. the story says that the National Democratic Congress Member of Parliament for Boko Central, Mahama Yariga, has urged the Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ennis Addison, to make concerted efforts to stop the possible collapse of the financial sector and the unjust takeover of indigenous private banks due to the implementation of the Domestic Debt Exchange Program. Now, he contended mm-hmm. that the DDE program would emasculate domestic private banks as they would face capitalization and liquidity problems given that they would not receive timely and appropriate coupon payments from their bondholder. Uh, from their bondholder, the government of Ghana. Now, he also said the directive of the Minister of Finance, Ken Furiata, to those banks to approve the Ghana Amalgamated Trust, PLC, for support from the Ghana Financial Stability Fund would open them up to a takeover by investors in the GAT mm. if the GFSF was not wholly publicly funded. All right, Nathan, let's come back to you. Well, raise constitutional matters as well. Mm-hmm. Well, if you go to page four mm-hmm. of the Finder newspaper, there's a story there concerning the Northern Development Authority. Mm-hmm. Now, the Office of the Special Prosecutor on Tuesday arranged three executives of the NDA and an executive of A and QS Consortium Limited before the High Court Criminal Division in Tamale. Mm-hmm. Sky, I think that's been written correctly. Right? Yeah, yeah. The high so court they say he shouldn't travel. Yes, they were charged with six counts of conspiracy to commit crime. The accused persons are Sumaila Abdurrahman, CEO of NDA, Mr. Stephen Engman, Deputy CEO in charge of operations at the NDA, Patrick Seydu, Deputy CEO in charge of finance and admin at the same entity, and Andrew. Kundari, CEO of A and QS Consortium. They've been charged with conspiracy mm. to directly or indirectly influence a procurement process mm. to obtain an unfair advantage in the award of a procurement contract mm. where the contract sum was inflated from 5.72 million to 10.4 million CP. Okay, talking about criminality, mm. uh, there was this thing that I, uh, I reserved for, um, you know, things like that. There's a story, not a story actually, it's on page 19 of the uh, the daily graphic. It's mm-hmm. a public notice put out by the railway people. Mm-hmm. Now, it says that the Ghana Railway Development Authority has noticed with concern an increase in the theft mm-hmm. of its railway asset by some unscrupulous persons. Mm-hmm. The reference assets include but are not limited to steel rails, mm-hmm. sleepers, uh, which are steel and wooden in nature, locomotives, uh, the engines, and coaches. Now, the Ghana Railway Development Authority is mandated by Section 2 of the Railway Act 2008 
to hold, administer, and improve railway assets and <coughs> exercise ownership rights over railway assets. Mm-hmm. Now, with this uh, notice, the targeted unscrupulous individuals, groups, and or their collaborators are warned to desist from this unpatriotic act. Mm. Any person or group of persons found to be in possession of the reference items or uh, tempers with the railway assets in the existing right of way without lawful authority or proof, uh, consent or approval from the chief executive officer of the GRDA, of which shall be on the person or group of persons, shall be arrested and prosecuted. Why, why, this why, why do we write these things in such official language? It's, in, it's, it's, it's legalese. <coughs> Stop I mean, stealing the, the, our railway parts. Yeah. The people still need can't understand this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and the people who still so that yeah, it should have been no. tempered just with yeah, you know, just write it simple. Yeah, 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 because some people may think that they are just going for meta. Mm-hmm. But if, if written it starting to catch you, it's too long. How many people are going to if I have money to buy a graphic to be reading this thing, will I go and be doing railway part? Oh, <laughs> now let's do the rent story. Okay. Yes, there's a big one. Yes, it's on. Uh, it's in all the papers. Page mm. two of the finder has it, and it says the much-awaited national rental assistance scheme mm-hmm. uh, to provide rent loans to both formal and informal sector workers with verifiable and regular income has officially been launched. Mm. The first phase of the scheme to be implemented with 30 million cities will provide eligible Ghanaians with a mechanism to pay low monthly rent. Mm-hmm. This this effectively removes. The the need for rent advance payment within six regions, i.e. Greater Accra, Ashanti, Western, Eastern, Bono East and Northern, before being extended to the remaining 10 okay. regions. Now, the eligible person must be a Ghanaian, possess a valid Ghana card, mm-hmm. be an adult of 18 years and above, mm-hmm. have verifiable employment and end income, mm-hmm. verifiable bank statements or mobile money statements, mm-hmm. and rent payable must not exceed 30%. Of the household. Will this be centrally managed or at the district level? Well, this is what. Well, it comes back to yesterday what we were discussing. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, let let me me try and answer this. Now, the management of the scheme has been outsourced to Rent Masters Ghana Limited, Mm -hmm. a private sector entity which is responsible for the day to day ops of the scheme. Which is the question I'm asking. So, rental is very local. Mm -hmm. So, yesterday we had a discussion about whether to raise revenue locally. Or oh. at the central level. Mm-hmm. This is a place where you would probably decentralize, mm-hmm. right? So that the, you probably would go for some chit or something at your district assembly to help you get whatever help you need. Mm-hmm. Once you centralize it, it becomes politics and something. So let's hope the design has considered some of these things. Now, let me give you two stories that are of concern. Kolebu doctors are threatening to withdraw their services on uh, Monday mm-hmm. if their 13 month salary arrears are not paid. Now, Doctors of Kolebu Teaching Hospital have threatened to reduce their service by February 13. So they've given us a two-week notice if certain conditions outlined to the management of the facility are not addressed. Mm-hmm. In a protest letter, the doctors accuse the management of discrimination in the payment of arrears of the 13-month salary for doctors mm-hmm. working at Kolebu. They also claim that not only has the communication to the management not to pay the 25% of the arrears until a clear arrangement Sorry, the doctors also claim that not only has the communication to the management not to pay the 25% of the arrears until a clear agreement on a timeline for the remainder of the arrears goes unheeded, but the payment seems to have been ceded to the department instead of payment from a central pool. And they are saying that, now listen to this again, according to the doctors, by decentralizing the payment, doctors working in financially challenged departments will be disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. So they want a centralization of the payment. Okay. Because maybe the money comes to a department that doesn't have any money. Mm-hmm. They may use the money for other things. Now, second story that I thought you should take and pay attention to, River Pra, others may disappear within 
20 years of Agalamse. This is Nia Yokan reporting from Parliament. Cocoa Board took a stand, Public Accounts Committee, yesterday. Cocoa Board has predicted that some key river bodies in the country may go extinct in the next few years due to illegal mining activity. Now, this was during the PAC. Joseph Wainedu bemoaned the devastating impact of Galamsey on cocoa farming. You know, it's interesting how in Ghana, mm-hmm. people, lamentations and complaints mm-hmm. and a stating of alarms mm-hmm. is the news. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Because there's supposed to be a whole plan to deal with Galamsey. Mm-hmm. Government <laughs> has set up a whole machinery. Mm-hmm. And yet, government officials keep saying, if we don't stop Galamsey, things will... It's almost as if they can't do anything about it. But they can, you know. So he's reminding us of what we already know that yeah. in the next 20 years, Rivapra and Cobra and Ophin will disappear mm-hmm. because there's a lot of silt discharged, and eventually all these rivers are going to disappear. Which tells us that in 50 years' time, Ghana will have to import water because the rivers will be no more. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Well, he should let the people in charge of the water team deal with it. There's a whole Galamsey mining program that they've initiated, mm-hmm. Ministry of Lands, Ministry mm-hmm. of Environment. Mm-hmm. There's a whole campaign that has been launched. Mm-hmm. So please, they should do what they have to do. Okay, Bernard, let me take you to a story uh, concerning the minority in Parliament. Page 3 of the Ghanaian publisher has uh, the details. Minority challenge ban on imported used electrical appliances. Now, the minority in Parliament has called on government to withdraw its ban <laughs> on importation of used electrical appliances to allow for further consultation with relevant stakeholders. Now, according to the caucus, the manner in which the legislative instrument, LI, was rushed through Parliament without adequate consultation and extensive engagement with the various stakeholders was disturbing. It noted that if not reviewed, the ban will not only render a vast majority of those who trade in these appliances unemployed, but would equally have severe economic consequences on the already impoverished Ghanaian. But did this not go through Parliament? Yes, it did. <laughs> were they not there? They were there. Did they oppose it? No, not that I know of. <laughs> or, or maybe they've, now that the there's dealers have spoken, they have new wisdom. <laughs> One can always amend his <laughs> No, because, the, you see, the thing is 19 <laughs> laws that were passed. <laughs> so it couldn't have been passed on your blind side. <laughs> and unless they said something that we didn't hear. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so who is championing this thing? No, they have John Abdullah Jinnah, but he's a minority focus person. On it. We should stop that. <laughs> you know, you know, fresh. You're not gonna do that. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's 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 move on. Let's do some uh, politics. Yeah. Okay. Now, yes, uh, John Mahama and Nana B. So mm-hmm. uh, whatever. Which okay. is which? Yes. Okay. So let me give you the two things. So one, the Chronicle says fear John Mahama. Mm-hmm. So that's what Henry Nana is saying. So let's saying. do the one the man himself said first. No problem. Mm-hmm. Now, the former uh, former president, John Mahama, mm-hmm. has confirmed what has been speculated mm-hmm. mm, on for long, that the next NDC uh, government would amend Ghana's constitution to enable him rule for more than eight years. Okay. Now, in a response to a question during his recent media engagement in mm-hmm. the UK on Voice of Africa, mm-hmm. John Mahama stated, amongst other things, that, quote, most importantly, the NDC will look at the constitution again. Mm-hmm. We have been operating this constitution for more than 26 years. Mm-hmm. And I think it is time for, and I think the time has come for us to look at it again and do some tweaking mm-hmm. in order that we can have a proper constitutional environment in which we can grow the economy. 
He goes on to say, mm-hmm. quote, we have a four-year term mm-hmm. like they have in America, mm-hmm. not like other countries where they have a five-year term. Mm-hmm. And there's very little you can do in four years. Uh, End so, quote. So they use that to say that. Now, uh-huh, so... Uh, he should always should come and clarify. Uh-huh. So then you have Nanabi saying that, becomes, ah, he had been saying it, that John Mahama wants to amend the constitution. And he, Nanabi says, according to his own digging, that is why the NDC kicked out Haruna Idrisu and Muntaka because hey. they were not in favor <laughs> of <laughs> these proposals. <laughs> No, they do political mathematics. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure the spokespersons will come and clarify. I wanted to take you international. Nigeria is facing a severe fuel shortage, which oh. could even affect its elections. But don't go to oil refineries, they're not on speaking. Now, according to the INEC boss, mm-hmm. fuel scarcity may affect election logistics. Mm-hmm. All right, the election chief also urged their transporters to be neutral and non partisan. As they commute I next staff to and from polling units. Mm-hmm. Then if you go to so that's on channels, if you go to premium times, mm-hmm. listen to this. Fuel scarcity. Nobody is indispensable. Nigeria's military chief wants oil marketers. Oh, the thing has become serious. Is it artificial? So the NNPC said <coughs> the fuel distribution crisis was of a monumental proportion, mm-hmm. which are taking a different dimension. Wow. Now Nigeria's chief of defense staff, mm-hmm. Lucky Irabo. Tuesday warned that the petrol scarcity across the country had become a national or had become a security concern mm-hmm. and nobody was indispensable in bringing a solution to the problem. We don't know what he means by that. Mr. Rabo, an army general, stated this at a meeting between oil regulators, security chiefs and petroleum marketers. The challenge of availability of fuel across the country has risen to a proportion that it had become a concern for the defense and security of our country. Mm-hmm. He said, the government is not handicapped and I need to indicate that there are alternatives and nobody is indispensable. Now, at the event, okay, there are other issues that, that, that was raised. Now, so they are raising issues around security concern for elections mm-hmm. and their indispensability. I don't know whether they are saying they will go and bring the oil themselves or whatever, but it's a matter of concern. Now, PRC has raised our tariffs. Yeah. Electricity tariffs will start going up mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. 30% for those who don't know. And nobody's complaining. Can you imagine? And Ghana water is 8%. Mm-hmm. I think the Ghana water one is more tolerable. But the ECG one, there, yeah. no, 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 no. Well, again, I would say it's like, like minority. This thing was discussed and raised and all of that. And me, no, people were concerned about. No, they were concerned about the, uh, the money they are taking from us. No? It's the same thing. Ghanaians from today, Wednesday, February one, will pay more for uh, electricity and water <coughs> as the PLC announced increments take off. Mm-hmm. Now, January sixteen, PLC announced the increase of thirty percent and eight point three respectively. They cited depreciation, soaring inflation, issues to power generation as reasons for the increment. In a release issued by the ECG, the power distributor said it has catalogued all unit consumption and expected costs in a record, which clearly explains how the tariff is applied and built. Please note that individual customers' tariff packages increase will depend on customer classification and consumption category. The record will be on display at all our district and customer service centers nationwide to guide customers on 30%. Do you know how much that is? 30% too. Come on. 30%. Meanwhile, January salaries have no long land yet. 30%. ECG hey. and Ganauta have pledged to improve services. Charlie, 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 Charlie. They should be they should, they've been collecting the increases. Ah, no improvement. They have increased in a long time. <laughs> I will come back to that. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. 
Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag CityCBS. Two minutes to seven. It's uh, Wednesday morning, first day in February. You're tuned to the City Breakfast Show. Girl is proud to be associated with the City Business News. We keep making life ever so convenient by now accepting Momo for all fuel purchases. Just remember to Momo it at Goyle. You can also use your bank card to buy fuel at Goyle. Drive to your nearest Goal station now, buy fuel and pay by Momo, Bank Card or the Goal Go Card. Goal Good Energy, Goal Yeah, yeah, dear. And it's also sponsored by MTN. Is your SIM card registered? Please dial star 400 hash to check your status. If you are fully registered your SIM card, then you will see the following. Your name appears on your valid national ID, unique code with a set of alphanumeric digits. Unique to you and a B cup with the words yes. Registration is free. You're required to make any payment and you'll be given one gig of free data valid for seven days. Let's work together to enable you continue to use your MTN number. News is also brought to us by Enterprise Life and Access Bank. Natalie Netia Jaho is here with the news. Good morning. Good morning, Bernard. Hello and welcome to the breakfast edition of City Business News, proudly brought to you by MTN, Goal Enterprise Life, your advantage, Access Bank more than banking and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. Coming up, individual bondholders urged to thoroughly analyze new terms of domestic debt exchange before signing on to it and business community cast doubt over. Bank of Ghana's efforts at fighting inflation. To our stories now, and individual bondholders are being urged to thoroughly analyze the new terms of the domestic debt exchange program being offered by government. Members of members are expected to take a decision to accept or decline the new terms offered by government. Government and its new terms says all indi- individual bondholders who are below the age of 59 will be offered instruments with a maximum maturity of five years instead of 15 years and a 10% coupon rate. While retirees, including those retiring in 2023, will be offered instruments with a maximum maturity of five years instead of 15 years and a 15% coupon rate. Senor Husi is a convener of the Individual Bondholders Forum and he's been speaking to City Business News. When you look at the offer as currently put, it's a massive improvement from what was originally on the table. One at the weighted average cost of funds to government on all the eligible bonds, which government puts at around 20%. If you're running that as a discount factor for the cash flows as proposed, it means that uh, you may just be losing 30% as against 50%, um, or 20, actually 29.91 as against 50%. For the pension fund, you'll just be losing about 15% as against the original one of uh, 50%. So uh, 
it depends on how it works for you. It may be good. Another thing we also could look at is your is your market expectation. You may be looking at a market a market outlook where rates will really crash. When that happens, the secondary markets will give you very good yield, and you may be able to exit. But these are decisions everybody is going to have to take. We as I forum will put out all the technical analysis out there and let members make their decision. Senior Hussey is a convener for the Individual Bondholders Forum. The Public Utility Regulatory Commission will today effectively announce announce a quarterly ad- adjustment of the increment in electricity and water tariffs. And users are expected to see an upsurge of 29.6% for electricity and 8.3% for water tariffs. This comes into force despite the concerns raised by some stakeholders such as the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry and the Association of Ghana Industries. Executive Secretary of the Public Utility Regulatory Commission, PURC, Dr. Ishmalaka, says the adjustments cannot be reviewed until the next quarter. We announced the major tariff and as part of our processes, we also announced that we are going to do quarterly adjustments. Now, the quarterly adjustments take into consideration the exchange rate, inflation, the energy mix, that is the hydrothermal ratio and the cost of gas. So we're to announce uh, in November to take effect on 1st December. But as of November, the rate we were seeing because of the exchange rate was very high. It was more than 40% because the major driver of the quarterly adjustment is the exchange rate. It contributes more than 60%. So waited and came out uh, on the 15th January to announce um, a 29.96 increase in electricity and 8.5% increase in water tariff. So, so this adjustment, uh, the decision has been made and it has been gazetted. Uh, it's a law. So for now, nothing can be done on the part of PURC. However, there will be other quarterly adjustments. That was the Executive Secretary of the Public Utility Regulatory Commission, Dr. Ishmael Akka. The Ghana Chamber of Commerce and Industry, GNCCI, has cast doubt over government's efforts at fighting inflation. This comes on the back of the Bank of Ghana's decision to hike the monetary policy rate by 100 basis points to 28%. The central bank cited, among other things, downside risks to inflation and exchange rates depreciation as major reasons for their decision. Chief Executive Officer of the Chamber, Mark Bidu Abwaji, has been speaking to City Business News. The 27% that we have is just 0.5% short of the highest rate you have had as a country. So any other increment will not be in the interest of businesses. And I have my doubt whether this monetary policy rate increment is solving the inflation issue and problem that we have in this country. It may, to some extent, have played a role, but we have to look at what is causing the inflation and how we can address it. From the beginning of the year, we have constantly been increasing the monetary policy rate to its current level, and inflation is also constantly going up to a level of 50.3. Do you know that the, the producer price index is about 78%, which means that on average, from the beginning of the year to this level, the cost of production or doing a business on average has increased by 78%. And this is affecting businesses. That was the Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Mark Bidu Apwaji. The Registrar of Companies has served notice to the business community that its office has 
commence the process of striking of business names which have lapsed from the business names register for defaulting in their renewal. The exercise is in line with Section 5A of the Registration of Business Names Act 1962 on annual renewals. What this means is that failure to renew a business name or a subsidiary business name for a period of three months after the year has ended leaves the name open to be used by anyone interested in the name. The ORC notes that to avoid such business names falling into the public domain and for anyone of interest to use it after it has been struck off the business name register, all business name owners are entreated to renew their business names before the end of April 2023. Now moving on, the government has revealed that plans are far advanced for a national career to begin operations in the country. Since 2004, the country has been without a state airline after Ghana Airways grounded to halt. However, the government earlier in 2020 announced an MOU with Egypt Air to restart Ghana Airs. Deputy Transport Minister Hassan Tempoli reassured that progress has been made between the local and international partners in ensuring the project is implemented soon. He spoke to the media on the sidelines of the 4th Aviation Ghana Stakeholders Meeting. We are almost in the final stages you know, of, of that one. So the parties are still you know, in the final stages of discussion for us to roll out. So we don't... You have... Um, the, the local partners and their foreign partners. So they are still having some, some, some discussions at an advanced stage. So we don't want to, at least for now, you know, second guess what the discussions are going to come out with. So we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah. we had a timeline like the third quarter of this year. Is that still feasible? Like I said, would, um, it's all subject to, you know, what comes out of the discussion between the parties, government, the local partners, and then the foreign partners. We'll get there. We'll get there. Hassan Tempoli is the Deputy Transport Minister. The African Peer Review Mechanism is urging business operators to embrace corporate governance in all stages of its transactions to rake in more revenue. The Peer Review Mechanism maintains that complexity driving the Ghanaian economy into crisis can be partly averted through active corporate governance. Speaking at the Targeted Review of Ghana and Editors Forum, the Chief Program Officer of the National African Peer Review Mechanism Governing Council, Patrick Edusei, called for a coordinated response to address the absence of corporate governance in the business environment. APRM realized that if we are able to harness corporate governance to support the continental free trade area objective, we will be able to prepare our businesses. Most of the time, the corporate governance laws are made for big companies. And in the end, the big companies are the ones who are able to run their businesses well, make more profits, and then when they sell and they make their profits, most of them multinationals from outside, they carry all the dollars outside. So why don't we also build the corporate governance culture in our small businesses? And when they do that, they will be able to generate more income and make more profits. And as they sell more, more foreign exchange, and this our city rental will be a thing of the past because they are going to bring in more foreign exchange. Government may not need to go and borrow from IMF if 1.7 million businesses are able to sell to other countries in Africa and trade with other countries in Africa. We are hopeful that every barrier and problems, if removed through this targeted review, Ghana will raise its foreign exchange just through trade. 
That was the Chief Program Officer of the National African Peer Review Mechanism Governance Council, Patrick Edusay. Now on the interbank foreign exchange markets where banks trade amongst themselves, the dollar gained 1 peso and selling at 10 cities 80 pesos. The British pound lost 8 pesos and selling at 13 cities 29 pesos. The euro remained unchanged and is selling at 11 cities 7 pesos. However, at some forex bureaus within the capital, the dollar is selling for 12 cities 70 pesos. The pound is selling for 15 cities 60 pesos and the euro for 13 cities 50 pesos. Let's now join Gillian Hamm of Data Bank for more on the topic, the fundamentals of financial planning, identifying your needs and wants. The third fundamental to financial planning is identifying your needs and wants so you are clear on what is important and what is a nice to have. You don't need to spend everything you get. That's one of the biggest mistakes people make. They spend what they get and even what they hope to get before it comes. This mindset can be useful when choosing where to go on a date, what to buy as a gift, how much to spend on your upcoming wedding or vacation, or even which school your child should attend. For married couples, distinguishing between your needs and wants could mean purchasing a three-bedroom home versus a five-bedroom home if your family is small. The most important thing you can do is make a budget and stick to it. Choose what you can afford, not what will impress other people. And don't succumb to pressure from family or friends to go for items that will put a financial strain on you. People take big loans just to match what they often see on social media and then are in debt for years after. However, the same people who are making you feel like you should have or be more will not help you pay off your debt when it is time. Be real about what you have, what you need and what you want and then spend accordingly. That was Gillian Hammer of Data Bank. And that does it for the breakfast edition of City Business News, proudly brought to you by MTN, Girl, Enterprise Life, Your Advantage, and Access Bank More Than Banking, and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netilinete Achahu. Have a good business day. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag CityCBS. Fourteen minutes past seven. <laughs> I saw some headline today, but the headline just annoyed me. This is like, can Legon City's upset half people? <laughs> I mean, what kind of what kind of question is that? Can Legon have to be careful in this country? Oh, you see, when standards drop, that's when these questions can be invited. You mean if we phobians have dropped our standards? It's 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 the fault of Accra House of Oak. You'll be losing matches to all manner of teams. But look so, look on the league table. Uh-huh. We are not doing badly. No, not at all. I mean, ever since Matic arrived, yeah. a lot has changed about so, it. So, I don't know. And when we finish our new office, <laughs> Charlie, we are they, not, no, they say right now, do you? We are doing infrastructure development. See, we have we are twenty four points, same number of points as Kotoko, just a point behind the Diana yeah, Stars. Yeah, you know. So this league is there for the taking. It is actually. It yeah, is. It's there for I the mean, taking. If you are hard to focus, you only think about winning the league. Everything yes. else is a failure. So three p.m. today, Legon Cities will take three. Yeah, it's yeah. three for three. <laughs> They would take is that what they call Aquili? Yeah. No, Ayoko. Ayoko. 
Yeah. But how does he even come up Charlie, with this? Thing? I, I don't even understand. I think I guess you know. I think guys, the first yeah, one, yeah. one is Aite. Yeah. Two is uh, Adoko or something. And he has used oh. it to name his own thing. Ah, so Charlie. I think <laughs> those guys can explain to me properly. So if if you are if you are first born, you are near Aite. Yeah. Uh, then if you are third, you are Kai. So maybe something like that. Charlie, but the knights belong to Todd Bowley. Charlie. Hey. See, hey. 94th minute screamer. Charlie. From out of nowhere. No. But I'm happy for Kamal Din Suleiman. He's yeah. gone to Southampton. Big deal. Big you know, deal. once you're on the EPL, the media coverage of your career Big changes. Deal. And we all know Kamal. You know, mm-hmm. Kamal didn't get... The, the World Cup favored... Uh, what's his name? Kudus. Kudus, yeah. But you know... Kamal, we know Kamal is also good. Yeah. So let's see this what is his chance. I'm telling you, let's see what he does. And I'm sure Spisalis will be in there already. Mm-hmm. That's why he chose them over Everton. So uh, those of you who don't know, Ghana's Kamal Din Sulemana is going to Southampton. Southampton. We'll see how that happens. Anyway, kickoff is next. Benjamin Ketia is here. Kickoff is brought to us by Lesheho. If you're a private school targeting to buy a school bus sometime this year, don't wait when it becomes more expensive. Apply for a competitive school bus loan with convenient payment terms. Call Michael on 057-411-7851 and let's do it together. Lesheho, let's improve life. So Ben, take it up. Well, let's get into the headlines. And Enzo Fernandez joins Chelsea on transfer deadline day for a British record fee of £107 million. Ghana's Kamal Din Suleimana also has completed his transfer to Southampton from French side Rennes. And Man United take on Nottingham Forest in the second leg of the Carabao Cup semi-finals. start from home and the Black Galaxies arrived in Ghana in the early hours of this morning following uh, their exit from the 2022 Chan Tournament. Ghana exited the competition in the quarter-final stage after losing by two goals to nil to Niger. Meanwhile, Algeria beat Niger by five goals to nil in the semi-final of the competition yesterday to set up a final with Senegal who beat Madagascar by one go to nil. Let's get to some other stuff. And Black Stars attacker Mohamed Kudus says scoring against South Korea at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar is one of the biggest highlights of his career. According to the Ajax midfielder, the support he has received from Ghanaians motivates him to continue to give his best. Yeah, it's one of the biggest highlights. Um, when when World Cup is playing, you know, that's all that's been talked about in the country at that moment, you know. So, for especially for this game, um, I think it was it was really nice, really nice to see the country really on different energy. You know, you can see the impact football really has on, on the people. You know, every, this, almost every single person in, in Ghana was watching Ghana games at the World Cup, and I'm sure it's the same here as well. So it's just nice that I'm in a position where I can make people happy from from the work I do. And you know? so that's really a big motivation, you know, to see all these people cheering and supporting me, you know. Ghana and Ajax midfielder Mohamed Kudu speaking there. Let's get to some Ghana Premier League stuff and there are games 
for match week 15. There's Betim United taking on Real Tamale United. There's Dreams FC versus Indiana Stars. Hearts of Folk will be up against Legon Cities. There's Kim Faisal taking on Mediama Sporting Club. Kotoku Royals will be up against BBN Gold Stars in Swatraman. Take on Brickham Chelsea. And then Samatex will be up against Tamale City. Let's get to some other stuff. And Christian Eriksen has been ruled out until April at the earliest after being forced off in Man United's FA Cup win over Reading. The midfielder who was caught by a tackle from Andy Carroll left Old Trafford on crutches after the 3-1 win over the weekend and now looks set to miss a significant amount of United's run. Now, the 30-year-old has been a key figure for Man United boss Eric Ten Hag this season, recording seven assists and scoring ones in 19 Premier League appearances. Let's hear from Man United manager Eric Ten Hag. Of course, uh, he's disappointed about, we are disappointed about, but yeah, that's happened in top football. It shouldn't have happened, but yeah, it did, and yeah, you have to deal with it. He's obviously been a very important player for you since he's arrived. Something coming out on, on that, uh, deadline day, and it's difficult, and you can't make policy or such bad injuries. Uh, but we have, um, we have players uh, in the midfield department and good players. Um, we also uh, uh, we, we have players who can fill that gap. Man United manager Eric Ten Hag speaking then. Our Man United take on Nottingham Forest later tonight at 8 p.m. There will be live radio commentary of that particular game. And United won the first leg by three goals to nil at the City ground last week. Now yesterday, Newcastle did beat Southampton by two goals to one, meaning that they've won 3-1 on aggregate over two legs to reach the final of the Carabao Cup. Let's get to some news from the camp of Liverpool and Ibrahim Akonate, who is a Liverpool defender, has been ruled out for up to three weeks with a hamstring injury following Sunday's 2-1 FA Cup defeat at Brighton. The France defender, who is 23 years old, is expected to miss uh, Premier League games against Wolves, Everton and also Newcastle. Now, he could also be a doubt for the Champions League last 16 first leg against Real Madrid on February 21. Now, Liverpool are currently without Virgil van Dijk, Luis Diaz, Roberto Firmino, and also Diogo Jota. So that's what's going on as far as Liverpool and Konate are concerned. Let's get to some uh, deadline day uh, business that was completed and those that were not completed. Now, Chelsea, of course, are the cream of the crop. They uh, agreed a £107 million uh, British record deal for Argentine midfielder Enzo Fernandez from uh, Benfica. Now he has completed his medical and will soon be in England to be unveiled. Now Kamal Din Suleimana also has become the biggest mover as far as Ghanaian transfers are concerned after he joined Southampton until 2027 from Rennes for an undisclosed fee. He also had offers from Everton and RB Leipzig but decided to join uh, the Saints. Also, Kaylor Navas has joined Nottingham Forest on loan from PSG with no option to buy. Manchester United were also busy. They completed the signing of buying midfielder Marcel Sabitzer on loan with no option to buy. Now, Hakim Ziyech's loan move to PSG from Chelsea collapsed at the final minutes due to a non-completion of some relevant paperwork despite the player landing in Paris to complete his medical and also Tottenham Hotspur. They uh, confirmed the signing of Spanish right wing back Pedro Poro on a long term deal 
from Sporting Lisbon. John Joe Shelby, he has moved to Newcastle for uh, Newcastle to Nottingham Forest for an undisclosed fee. And then Felipe also moved from Atletico to Nottingham Forest again for an undisclosed fee. Now, Dynamo Kiev um, also sold Elea Zabani, 21-year-old centre-back to AFC Bournemouth for a fee of £24 million. Sasa Lukic also joined uh, Torino from Fulham um, on eight million, and then there's also Nathan Opoku uh, joining from the um, high school in Syracuse or college in Syracuse to Leicester City. Joao Cancelo moved from Manchester City to Bayern Munich on loan, and then there's also Jude uh, Sunsap Bell from Chelsea to Tottenham for an undisclosed fee. So, Cedric Suarez uh, Arsenal to Fulham on loan also happened. Axel Twanzebe, Man United to Stoke City on loan, and then you have Mark Albrighton uh, also from Leicester City to West Bromwich Albion on loan. Uh, Sambilo Konga joined Crystal Palace on loan from Arsenal Football Club. So those are some of the deadline day moves that happened on transfer deadline day. That's all for this morning's edition of Kickoff. My name is Benjamin Inketia. Kickoff was brought to us by Lesheho. There's more sports at citysportsonline.com. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag CityCBS. It's uh, Wednesday morning, first day in February 2023. Ben, I'm pleased with my beautiful wife, DSP Dr. Florence Joletto, mother of my two lovely kids. A happy birthday. May she continue to bless the family with dawn prayers every day of our life. From the kids and myself, we love you so much. From Dr. John Diego Coso of the Pantang Hospital. 
Everybody wouldn't have started without your birthday. Happy birthday to the best boss in the world. May this year bring you all the beautiful things life has to offer. We appreciate everything you do for us at Echo House Ghana. We are grateful to you, Don Julio. We love you. Happy birthday, Julio Chiriano Olimpio. Chief Business Officer, Echo House Ghana Limited. From the management and staff of Echo House Ghana. This is Ghana, Liberia and Sierra Leone. And I also want to wish a very good friend of mine, Apostle Ellis Otu. A happy birthday to you. Uh, a couple of people from your church are sending this, uh, not least Reverend and Mrs. Kwaku. The message is, may the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob bless you. May his good purposes for your life be established in Jesus' name. We love you deeply and dearly and pray to God for many more years to fulfill his work with you. Mm. Coming in from Reverend and Mrs. Kwaku. It looks like um, the man of God is getting a lot of love this morning. Yes. Apostle Ellis Kofi, several messages are coming uh, to him. This one says, uh, Papa, happy birthday to you. May the good Lord continue to bless you mm-hmm. for the good work you're doing for us. And we used to call him General. <laughs> General. He was one of the generals. You know, when I was on campus, prayer secretaries are called generals. I see. Yeah. So, Elisoto, happy birthday to you. And um, and um, below it, happy birthday to our former colleague, Abinanya Meche Ampedu. First February. Okay. Yeah, yesterday was her birthday, actually. But yesterday, January, January. But yesterday, we couldn't do birthday. So, okay. happy birthday to you from me, from Gina, Choc- from Choc- Siri, Choc- Choc- the U.S. Embassy. Yeah, Charlie. Just wait we, for the, the, the run The yeah, You know. Uh, <laughs> they pull strings from the back. <laughs> 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 so, I'm a happy birthday yeah. to you and from your husband and your daughter as well. Yeah, yeah I'm And let me say good morning and uh, happy birthday to Miss Eugenia Atiogbe of Medina Estates. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean so much to us and we love you so dearly. Mm. Relish your day and enjoy every bit of it. It's coming in from Jacob, Jaden, and Jadeline. Right. All right. <laughs> a few more. Happy birthday to Samson Osebuedu, a chartered accountant and assistant director of audit at the Ghana Audit Service. Mm-hmm. You're a great personality with a great mind, an awesome worker, and uh, that's coming from the team. So. All right. <laughs> Also wishing Jason a happy birthday You're 10 years old today From your mom Karen Your brothers Ryan and Alvin And your father Percy Happy birthday to you Jason Kuma Coming in from your mom Your brothers and your dad Uh, 
Before I jump in straight in, I want to do a couple of quick announcements. Then I will try and unravel this <laughs> new offer on the table. The debt exchange is in its, I don't know, fourth or fifth iteration since it started. <laughs> you know, uh, since it, cultivation. Yeah. Exchange part one, <laughs> two, so I'm going to speak to the, so what we've seen is the bankers have accepted it. The securities industry have accepted it. The insurance people have accepted it. The individual bondholders have not accepted it yet. Now the part I want to unravel is when the, uh, securities industry accepted the debt exchange mm. there was a bit of uncertainty about what will happen to members of collective investment schemes mm-hmm. because the securities industry includes firms that also manage collective investment schemes now the what, what has made them the situation a bit fluid is that the individual bondholder forum includes members of collective investment schemes because they want to be considered as individual bondholders so when the um, ministry of finance and the GSIA announced their deal, they sort of deferred the 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 deal for the they, they deferred the, the what's the word to use? They deferred what will happen to CIS members to the individual bondholders. Mm-hmm. So they're saying that even though Ghana Securities Industry Companies manage collective investment schemes, the status of collective investment schemes will be determined when we finish dealing with the individual bondholders. Mm-hmm. All right. So now that the new offer has been placed on the table for individual bondholders, you have to take the two statements together to understand what happens to the individual bondholder to the collective investment schemes, which is what I'm, I'm trying to say. So I, I, I am minded to get some clarification on that, yeah. particularly because listening to Senior Hosi yesterday, I wasn't very sure. Whether the individual bondholders accept, oh, they reject, are. or are rather saying we'll come back. I think when Sander proved that, I said, you know what? It depends on your circumstance. He, he said clearly that this offer is better than the previous offer. But you can also decide not to take it. Now, if you don't take it, will the government default? Are we sure if they will pay? Can you go to court on your own? Will the bondholders firm help you go to court if you have to? Would there be a class action? Do you get my point? Mm-hmm. So there are things that I believe need to be clarified. And what makes the whole thing even confusing is when you read Martin Pebble from Graphic, he said, reject outright. Right? Reject but Mr. Hosi is a bit more... Um, Measured. In yeah, he's, he's, say, he's saying that if you look at the amount of losses you would have gotten in the first offer compared to this one, this one is better. But he's still not saying take it. Okay, so I'm minded to try and bring some clarity to that. Then, Mahama Yariga has also sent out a very serious letter to the Governor of the Bank of Ghana, which I believe we need to give some attention to. Mm. Because, you know, when the debt exchange was announced and the banks were saying that they would have serious capital impairments, the, the government said we're going to have what is called regulatory forbearance and that the banks will have some support from a 15 million. 15 billion CD fund, right? And apparently, the details of the way that fund is going to work is what is raising concern for Ayarga and his colleagues in the minority. So, I'm going to try and understand the concern and see where that leaves us. Then, I, I have a couple of things I feel if we have time, we can do. Um, I know you are not happy with the tariff increments. We'll see if we can deal with that. Uh, I'm not happy with education. Okay, that's, <laughs> you are not happy with a lot of things. That's <laughs> but I was on the series. But I wanted to say that we have a very fortunate 
um, coincidence. Yesterday we discussed the issue of um, local governance, local governance and revenue collection. Yeah. GRA is on the show today. Oh, sir! GRA uh, is on the show today. So I don't know whether they have planned it earlier. Fred tells me they had already planned it, but that's good. So we will, we will throw some questions to them to explain the relationship with the local assemblies in collecting property rates. So there's a whole packed house for us this, this morning. So that's that's the, the the menu we have put on the table. Hopefully we're able mm-hmm. to, to, to deal with that. Well, uh, for entrepreneurs out there who are in the formal or informal sector and are between 16 and 55 years and uh, want to grow their business, I have great news for you. I Am Investable is here to make your dream come true. Join the I Am Investable business initiative now and receive up to a 50,000 CD grant mentorship and support to grow your business to participate send a summary of 250 words about your business or a two-minute video uh, telling us why your business is viable and investable a processing fee of course will apply pitch your way to success today visit iaminvestable.com for more details i'm investable empowering innovative businesses for growth now, Godfrey says he's not happy with education. Well, for those whose children are in school, Prospectus Ghana is here. They've introduced a new short code, STAR 447-STAR-899 hash, to help parents and guardians make installment payments towards items required for the award school admissions. You, you have to use the short code. It's safe and convenient. Prospectus Ghana also provides a one-stop shop for all school items and a supplier of good quality brand chalk white A4 sheets for all printing jobs. Call Prospectus Ghana today on 0500-600-607 or find them on the graphic road opposite Toyota Ghana. Prospectus Ghana, your one-stop shop for all school items and stationery. Now, a global standard luxury wristwatch made right here in Ghana for that special someone with their name customized in it. Well, that's what I call a timeless gift. Caveman Watches is giving a whopping 50% discount on the cost of customizing a name inside any of their luxury watches for any purchase above 2,000 cities this season. Until the 15th of February, visit at Caveman Watches on our platform. Better still, go to their showroom and factory on their Juengano Road adjacent the new AstroTurf to place your order or even join in the making process of your own bespoke luxury watch right here in Ghana. Call 0557-516744 or visit cavemanwatches.com. Caveman and watches be remembered. All right, so uh, let's read two statements uh, for you. The first one is dated January 27, and the second one is dated January 31. The first one was jointly signed by the Ghana Security Industry Association mm-hmm. and the governor. That's and Mr. Kese Antonio's people. Yes, but this was Winston Nelson. If you have the statement, if you can read it for me. Okay, so the statement says, um, the government of Ghana and the Ghana Securities Industry Association have reached an understanding mm-hmm. on the terms of participation by capital market operators mm-hmm. in the domestic debt exchange program. Mm. The agreement entails A, Extending the improved terms of the domestic debt exchange program agreed with the banks to all GSIA members. Mm -hmm. 
B. Collective Investment Schemes, CIS, and individuals who hold bonds in trust accounts with Securities and Exchange Commission approved firms will be offered um, any enhanced commercial terms agreed with or exemptions granted to individual bond holders. Mm-hmm. C. The government commits to providing support to GSIA members impacted by the DDEP via both the liquidity and solvency window of the Ghana Financial Stability Fund. Mm -hmm. D. The removal of all clauses in the exchange memorandum that that empowers the Republic to, at its sole discretion, vary the terms of the exchange. Mm -hmm. So that's point two. Point Mm -hmm. three, GSIA believes this agreement is necessary to restore market normalcy and confidence in the economy. GSIA urges its members to seek all required internal approvals and client consent Mm -hmm. to participate in the DDP per the new terms in the updated exchange memorandum. Mm -hmm. With this agreement, government has concluded negotiations with another significant group of bondholders. Mm. Point five, the government views this progress as very important towards restoring macroeconomic stability as we reset the economy on a path of strong growth and economic transformation mm. and signed by Ken Oforiata, who is the finance minister and signed <clears throat> on behalf of the government and Winston Nelson Jr., mm. Ghana Securities Industry Association. So the, the two paragraphs that are of concern to me are point 2B and yeah, point 2B and of course maybe uh, point 2D. Mm. Now, point 2B, if you can read it again. Okay, point 2B says collective investment schemes and individuals who hold bonds in trust accounts mm-hmm. with securities and exchange commission approved firms will be commercial terms agreed with or exemptions granted to individual bond holders. So they are saying that the details, <coughs> so, so if I, if I understand this thing right, the organizations yes. like EDC, Data Bank, and all these companies, they will get similar terms for their bonds to what the banks are getting. But individuals like you and I who have members of collective investment schemes have to wait for the individual bondholders to finish with the government to know what our terms will be. Brilliant. So that was 27th. Good. Now go to, go to yesterday's release. Mm. Yesterday's release dated 31st January, mm-hmm. signed by, and again, look look at the difference. For the banks, there were two signatures, John Ewa and Finance Minister. For mm-hmm. the insurance, it was Finance Minister and Seta Klasi. Mm-hmm. For the GSI, it was Finance Minister. Mr. Winston Nelson Jr. Yes, but for the individual bondholders forum, <coughs> because they are not a recognized body, Although the initial technical committee's work was jointly signed by Senor Hosi and some archivists, the release on the offer has not been jointly signed. That should, that should give you a clue to some things. But if you can read the highlights of this for me. Okay. So this one says, The government of Ghana <coughs> excuse me, has made significant progress with all stakeholders, mm-hmm. including financial sector industry associations mm-hmm. and representative groups of individual bondholders mm-hmm. with respect to their participation in the domestic debt exchange program. Mm-hmm. The government hereby announces the following updates. Mm-hmm. 
Update number one. That based on the agreements reached with the Ghana Association of Banks, the Ghana Insurance Association, and the Ghana Securities Industry Association, the new terms of the exchange have been accepted. Mm. A revised and final exchange memorandum will be released by Thursday, February 2, 2023. So this will cover the three associations mentioned. Mm-hmm. All right, go on. Point number three, <clears throat> that based on the engagements with the representative groups of individual bondholders, mm-hmm. the following has been offered and will form part of the new exchange memorandum. So this is the part that applies to individuals. Uh-huh. Good. Point A, an affirmation that all bondholders are free not to participate. All individual. Yes, all individual bondholders mm-hmm. are free not to participate. Mm-hmm. Point B, however, upon a successful DDEP, there will be very few of the old bonds in circulation and likely limit its tradability. <laughs> After a successful domestic debt exchange program, there will be very few of the old bonds in circulation mm-hmm. and likely limit their tradability. Mm-hmm. Go on. Point C. In this regard, the government is pleased to make available the following alternative offer mm-hmm. to encourage all individual bondholders to participate in the exchange. All right. One, mm-hmm. all individual bondholders who are below the age of 59 years will be offered instruments with a maximum maturity of five years mm-hmm. instead of 12 years and a 10% coupon rate. Mm-hmm. All retirees, including those retiring in 2023, will be offered instruments with a maximum maturity rate of 5 years instead of 12 years and a 15% coupon rate. So, to get this clear, people who are aged below 59 uh, will get... A maximum maturity of five years since mm-hmm. of the original 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the 12 years. Mm-hmm. And the coupon rate will now increase from five to 10. Yes. All people who are retirees, 59, above 59, yes. will be offered the same five years, 12 years, but the coupon rate will be higher. So mm-hmm. older people will get higher coupon than younger people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Presumably because they will die earlier. <laughs> so they'll get the higher interest now mm-hmm. than those of us who are younger who may live longer and get the lower interest. Uh-huh. Anyway, but that, we, that invests the youth care, <coughs> but that's a different discussion. Okay. Go on. All right. Point four. Point four. Additionally, discussions are being finalized mm-hmm. with organized labor and pension fund trustees on a separate arrangement mm-hmm. in accordance with the memorandum of understanding signed with organized labor on December 22, 2022, in line with the government's debt management program. Okay. With this... The government encourages all stakeholders to participate in the DDEP, an essential step towards meeting our debt sustainability targets mm-hmm. and restoring macroeconomic stability and economic growth. Mm-hmm. These developments have necessitated the final extension of the deadline from January 31, 2023 mm-hmm. to Tuesday, February 7, 2023, and a new settlement date of Tuesday, February 14. That will be confirmed via the new exchange memorandum. The government appreciates the cordial engagements with the various stakeholders since the beginning of the DDEP that has made such remarkable progress possible. Mm-hmm. All bondholders 
are hereby encouraged to commence all administrative processes towards their participation in the exchange in line with the agreements reached, signed by Tenofuriata. Wonderful. Let's talk to Winston Nelson Jr. or Winston <coughs> Nelson Jr., who is the uh, GSI big man. And um, just to clarify, so there's the banks, there's the insurance, there's the GSI, and there's, there's the pension fund companies, pension management companies. Winston, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Bernard. So, um, was it right to read the two statements in concert to try and get an understanding of what will happen to people in collective investment schemes? Well, actually, actually, yes, because those are all public statements. So, for anybody who has both, they have to be able to understand what, what, what our position has always been. And just to reiterate, in, the, in our press release, all we said was that, look, um, collective investment schemes are mostly made up of individuals who are even below, the majority of them are even below the middle class. So uh, we think that it is only fair to treat individuals who are holding the bonds directly and the individuals who are holding it indirectly through collective schemes apart. Um, and if you will recall, that has always also been the position of the individual bondholders forum. Um, what we are seeing now is that um, an offer has been made to the individual bondholders. Individual bond um, what we expect is that once the exchange memorandum comes, to clarify that collective investment schemes can also participate on the same terms as the individual bondholders are going to participate. Good. The GSIA, if you can explain the various lines of business for which CIS is one and is differentiated from the others, because from the what we read, the GSIA, the bankers and insurance have been treated almost similarly. Indeed, in your release, the, the government said that what was given to the bank to be given to you. But I know that the GSIA, which includes investment banks and mutual fund companies and all these companies, you do a lot of things. So I'm just trying to understand how some part of what banks have been given would apply to you and how some part of what has been given to individuals would apply to you, if you can clarify that. Okay, so broadly speaking, um, what, what, was, what has been agreed now, we can put it in three different categories. Domestic institutional investment. Okay, that's where the banks and all the others come in. Then you would have the um, individual bondholders. And also giving the individual bondholders, then the uh, retirees have been carved out and given an extra special treatment. So for us at the GSIA, we are just uh, 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 an association of firms that are directly licensed by the Treaties and Exchange Commissions. So um, you would have... We are comprised of fund managers. Remember that fund managers are the ones managing collective investment schemes. They manage um, accounts for, um, let's say, manage clients. Then you have broker dealers. Broker dealers are the ones who generally trade these bonds in the market, put bonds, equities, etc. You would have, uh, for example, a custodian who keeps custody of all the um, securities that are being traded and something like that. Um, the stock exchange also a key member of our association. And remember that the fixed income market sits with a stock exchange. The central district is the positive, is part of our association. And in all these, it is the CSD that is going to do the implementation of, of this DD. So broadly speaking, that is the structure on which we are made up of. But if you want to understand what is happening in terms of other categories, the best way to look at it is offer me to 
and that will be the banks and then the um, investment firms, the insurance companies. These are made to the domestic institutional. Then there's the offer you are looking at now, which has been made to individual bondholders um, with a special treatment for retiree, individual bondholder retirees. Wonderful. So, to the extent that GSIA members are domestic institutionals, what, the regulatory forbearance that banks will get, presumably you will also get some. The funds that have been made available to help with liquidity and solvency and all those things, presumably will apply to you as firms. Is that the understanding? Well, that is the understanding. The, what, what I, just what I need to clarify on that level is that the, the banks would have their forbearance coming from the central bank, which is the Bank of Ghana. We, um, the securities industry fall under the securities industry act. Um, and therefore, for us, we have to do our own direct negotiations of whatever forbearance comes through with the SEC. So there will be some form of differences there. Based on our structure and based on our capital requirements and what we do, um, our forbearance would definitely be slightly different from what you see from the bank. And then they, um, definitely with the agreement with the ministry, we will have access to the financial stability fund and then the solvency fund, if need be. The, the, so the financial stability fund is mainly to enhance liquidity, which is a key thing for our segment of, of the market. Uh, companies that need liquidity can access it just to provide that form of liquidity. And there's a process that you can go through. The solvency fund is really for companies that are probably becoming a bit distressed because of this whole uh, debt, 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 uh, debt okay. exchange. Fair enough. Now, the, the, the second statement that the minister released 31st sort of answers a question that I've been grappling with a long time ago, whether members of collective investment schemes could be treated as individual bondholders. By the two statements, it's very clear that the finance ministry intends to treat them as individual bondholders, which is good. The, what, what is not clear to me, though, is if you've differentiated between above 59-year-olds and below 59-year-olds in terms of the interest rate you are giving them, so that for people who are older than 59, you're giving them interest rate of 15, and those who are below 59, you're giving them interest rate of 10. But the tenor is still the same. My question is, the way you people manage your collective investment schemes, there could be 300,000 people in one scheme with different people. Godfrey is 29, Bernard is 36, Kofi Mensah is 96, all in the same scheme. So if you're a fund manager managing, say, the M fund, are you going to disaggregate the, the yield of the fund on the basis of age? I, I want to really know how this is going to work in practice because the investment scheme is a pooled resource, if you understand what I'm saying. So how, how, how are you going to apply the age differential to a thing that has been... The, the whole idea of a collective investment scheme is to merge or it's, it's the, the concept of pooling resources because we, are, we don't have too much money to go on our own. So we've come together under this big umbrella you've created and you're using your expertise to, to decide on what to mix into the thing. So, how is a typical fund manager this morning going to interpret this release? I think one key thing uh, you should notice is that when the release came out, these questions came out from the, um, uh, came to our association from our members. And we have reached out to the ministry to, to clarify. I agree with you that administratively it will be a, it will be a challenge to um, try and be applying both because the bonds are held in the name of the fund. So it is, it, is fair, it is a fair point that we have reached out to the Ministry of Finance to clarify that between these two uh, options they have given, where exactly was their intention of where collective 
investment schemes for. You should note that the pensions, even though they are in, in, the retirees, even though they are individual bondholders, for one reason or the other, I think they just try to treat them uh, separate, separately, out, like take them out of the individual bondholders and treat them in a, in a much uh, different way. So um, I think by the time on Thursday when the memorandum comes out, this, answer, this uh, question should be answered clearly. Mm. And and what further complicates the issue is that from what the individual bondholder forum is saying, if three members of a a collective investment scheme, two of them decide to opt for the exchange and one says, I don't want to opt for the exchange. Again, there has to be some disaggregation, right? Because if I'm being treated as an individual, I can say, even though I'm a member of the M fund, I don't want the debt exchange. So then they'll have to ring fence or take out my part of the scheme and then those who are left will be treated. Do you, do you get my, my concern now? It's a bit, it's very complicated. How, <laughs> because the indiv- individual bondholders are, are, are basically saying they are not sure, they are not going to force members to accept or reject. So, it, it's a bit, I mean, this, this is much easier if everybody accepts or if everybody rejects. But once some accept and some reject, again, I'm not sure whether the Thursday press release will clarify that or whether that needs some new financial engineering. Um, okay, so Bernard, the, the, you have to recognize that the individual uh, for a collective investment there's a fund manager who really just generally makes the decisions for the fund. And the fund manager has a board um, who also seconds uh, or authorizes decisions to be made to, to, uh, for the fund. What I suspect is that the EISs will reach out to their clients to gauge what the mood is. Um, generally, in, in, in these are all uh, companies, and generally, you know that um, some key decisions you can just take uh, what majority things and then you can go along with it. So I, I, I think that we should, the fund managers will definitely have a way of doing this. This is not the first time this thing has come up. They have been reaching out to their, their clients. Um, and when the memorandum comes out, they will definitely know how they are going to process this. Look, trying to segregate and take this one out and put this one back, it's just going to be an So we wait for Thursday. Thank you for the clarification so far, Winston Nelson Jr. Have a good morning. He is with the Ghana Securities Industry Association, explaining and clarifying and confirming some of the points. It's eight o'clock tech and social media trends coming up next. Brought to us by Carl Bank. Reactivate your Carl account this holiday season and get more value. Get free access to your short code or to our short code service star seven seven one hash to CalNet and to CalApp when you reactivate your CalBank account between now and January to stay on top of your account. To learn more about how to conveniently reactivate your inactive CalBank account, call us on 0800-500-500 or chat with us online on our social media platforms and on WhatsApp. You can also email us at customercare at calbank.net. CalBank forward together. segment is also brought to us by Vodafone. Nathan, please give us the, the segment. Well, yeah, there's so many things trending. Deadline day. Yesterday was the last day of the January transfer window. So deadline day and all the offshoots. So you have players 
like Enzo Fernandez trending, Savitza is trending, um, Financial Fair Play is trending, Hakim Ziyech. So several spin-offs of the transfer deadline day. Of course, the biggest story is Jorginho going to Arsenal from Chelsea. Chelsea signing Enzo Fernandez to break the British transfer record. How 105 million pounds. <laughs> 105 million pounds. So wow. that's, that's really what's happening. Financial fair play is equally trending as well. Fabrizio is trending. Of mm. course, Fabrizio Romano, mm. the transfer insider, Italian journalist as well. Mm-hmm. And you have City Sports also trending. Last night they had a, the team did a, a, a deadline day don't call me show. Mm-hmm. I was, mm-hmm. I joined them via the phone. Yeah, so all of, guys. <laughs> all of these things are trending. So several things. You have Kennedy at Japan in the trends, not for a particular reason, but people are just dropping random tweets and mentioning I him. He, I think good evening. And Ghana. he was on Good Evening focused Ghana. Yes, yesterday. focused on him yeah, yesterday. So that's why. So you have several spin-offs there. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do some, if you go to some tech news, mm-hmm. tech news, very interesting. So several tech companies, I'm sure you've noticed in the last few months, have been laying off workers. <laughs> PayPal is the latest oh, to join the queue. Oh, now, PayPal is shedding around 2,000 jobs or 7% of its workers as it becomes the latest big tech firm to cut costs. The online payments companies says it was forced to make the decision as it faced, quote, the challenging macroeconomic uh, environment. Mm. Okay, now they say that this follows tens of thousands of layoffs by uh, tech giants in the last month alone. This year, Google's parent company, Alphabet, Amazon, and Microsoft have all announced major job cuts. So it looks like we'll have to watch this space. A few more of these things will be happening uh, in that area. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city 97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city 973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city 973 with the hashtag CityCBS.
Yes, she's from the Sisala. Yeah. yeah, but she sings in uh, the Funsi language. Yes, that's what but I mean. she uses some other languages um, yeah. to sing. Um, Somebody actually sent me the meaning, the meaning of huh? the song. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the meaning. You don't know the meaning? No, I don't know. I just it's it's just it, it lifts you. Yeah, it just lifts you. You know, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't need to understand the song. <laughs> for no, no, but for me, the lifting effect of the song. The song is the fact that I don't know what the words mean. Yeah, but it still lifts you. Tells me Yala struck the right chord. No. Yeah, she does a lot of her songs. Yeah. She struck, yeah. struck the right chord. It was always on repeat. Probably right. our our biggest potential world superstar. Oh yeah, yeah. If, if she continues yeah. on the trajectory she's on, she's in the league of Angelique Kijo. Yeah, 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 yeah. If yeah. if you know if whoever is, she's, she's working towards that yes. slowdown. She's on her yeah. way. She's <laughs> on her way. Oh yes, Angelique Kijo is. And she's just on. But it's just a matter of time. No, no, no. So she's on a different level. Different level. Different time. She will get there. Hopefully. I listen to Angelique Kijo talk, talk, talk about her charity, mm-hmm. you know, and it was on a BBC interview. Mm-hmm. Like the insight, the depth, the understanding oh, of the world, yeah. the, you know, apparently the song Batonga is Batonga. now her foundation yeah, and Batonga she's done foundation. it for deprived girls. Mm-hmm. You know, you know it's funny. It's funny. Angelique is is something else. Yeah. I'm actually working on an article right now about Angelique Kijo. Angelique Kijo is <laughs> deadly. It's deadly. She's deadly. But anyway, so Yala is is doing well. And um, I wanted to give some highlights of the. You know, there's there's a very serious letter that Mama Yaga has written mm. to the Speaker of Parliament, and you know, I wish I could simplify. It's actually it. to the governor. To the governor. Mm-hmm. I I wish I could simplify it, but I think he makes. So he summarizes the points. Yes, five main points. That mm-hmm. he says the DDE, the domestic exchange, will kill domestic private banks, mm. and they will face capitalization and liquidity problems. Given that they will not receive the timely and appropriate coupon payments that they expected, we've said this already. We know this. Nobody doubts this. He also says that the directive that the banks should approach the Ghana Amalgamated Trust. PLC for support from the Ghana Financial Stability Fund opens these banks to 
risk of being taken over by private investors. Mm. Because from his analysis, the modus operandi of the GATT and the GSF will lead to some public offer that private people will use backdoor means to, to buy those shares and appropriate for themselves those banks. Now, he, he, he makes this point in paragraph 3 where he says, the political patronage and nepotism will inform the ultimate purchase of the shares in the private banks once GATT begins to dispose of these shares to realize the investments made in these banks. He then concludes that the policy and strategic options chosen by the Minister of Finance enables the illegal and unconstitutional expropriation of the private property of the present owners of domestic private banks and possibly private international banks operating in Ghana. Then he's calling for the mobilization of all available intellectual competency and political forces to defend bona fide property rights of owners of private banks in Ghana. Not to do so with a sense of urgency will constitute the greatest dereliction of duty of our political class and the collapse of present owners of these banks and the takeover of these banking interests, similar to what was orchestrated in the PDS saga and the Japa deal. Now, the reason this is serious is that there's a background to this. Now, Boku, uh, sorry, Bogatanga Central MP uh, Isaac Adongo has already gone to the Supreme Court to challenge the legality and structure of the Ghana Gameted Trust, which we know was set up in the previous banking sector cleanup. Mm-hmm. Now, according to Adongo, the setup of the GATT is not in line with the Bank Banking Act, Act 930, the Bank of Ghana Act. He believes that GATT has both legal and financial problems, that the legal structure and the financial structure of GATT is not going to work. And to then use this Ghana Financial Stability Fund, which was announced recently mm-hmm. to support these banks who will be facing liquidity challenges, Using the same gut in his view, the fact that they haven't even finished doing the Supreme Court issue and that the Minister of Finance had had two years to flesh out the legal arrangement of the GAT but has chosen not to do so, and now to then bring this financial, this GSFS thing in, he thinks it's part of a grand scheme. It's, a, it's, it's, it's very elaborate. Right. I don't know if I've explained it the way you, you got it, Sky. Yeah, essentially, um, you've, you've brought the main points out. So, um, you know, he is founding his position on the constitution and relevant law supporting mm-hmm. um, operations within the financial sector. And his conclusion, basically, is that the finance minister and those around him have violated both the constitution and existing statute dealing with the financial sector. Mm-hmm. And that instead of resolving those, you know, problems they have already created with the previous arrangements during the financial sector cleanup, and instead of the Supreme Court seeing a sense of agency um, and therefore dealing with the matter expeditiously, that was not done. So then it affords the finance minister an opportunity to then deal with the issues, but they too have not dealt with it. And they are going for the same vehicle now to use for purposes of addressing the existing, the new problems that we have. And these ones are going to expropriate private property, which is what? Seize people's individual property and then use them for purposes of addressing the, the challenges and the problems that they themselves are creating. Mama Yaga is joining us on the line. He's not in the jurisdiction, but I want to get some more insight into his position. Thank you for joining us, Honorable Mama Yaga. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll bring that line back. We sort of missed, messed it up a bit. So, Sky, mm-hmm. so there are, there, there are a couple of things here. Mm-hmm. There is already a court case against the legality of GATT. GATT, which was in the previous uh, cleanup. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And that matter has not been fully determined. Yeah. And then the Ghana's uh, Financial Stability Fund mm-hmm. appears to rely on the same gut mm-hmm. in how it will help the banks that are going to be hurt. Yeah, the ones that will face liquidity challenges. Good. And recapitalization. What, one of the things i like to clarify was how he was able to arrive at the conclusion that mm-hmm. there will be some public offer. Mm-hmm. Now, he says the likely modus operandi of GATT is to force... Now, he's saying the likely. Mm-hmm. That's where I have mm-hmm. a problem. The likely modus operandi of the GATT is to force the banks to devalue themselves as a function of the distress generated by the DDE mm-hmm. and then uses some form of privately sourced funding mm-hmm. Maybe back by a government guarantee. I see a maybe at the end mm-hmm. to invest in the banks. So I'll come to that. So Mama Yaga, thanks for joining us. I was I was going to first sum, attempt to summarize what you've said before I ask my question. So basically you are saying that the DDE we know will emasculate the banks. The announcement of the support from the Ghana Financial Stability Fund will open these banks up to take over bids by investors. And that because the GAT is both legally and financially flawed, the, 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 this will inevitably lead to private people taking over shares in these banks. This is my understanding of what you said. Is this, is this correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, what has happened is that if you look at the Ghana Amalgamated Trust DLC, it is not a statutory body. Indeed, I am in the Supreme Court questioning the very legality of the establishment. And I think my colleague also, uh, Honorable Adungo, uh, went to court in regard to, 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 to that. In relation to that, um, it is established like a private entity. And then the government of Ghana gives it a sovereign guarantee to go and look for financing to invest in the banks. And afterwards, it then sought clearance from the Securities Commission in order to issue an IPO to sell the shares in those banks that it had helped out to those who will be able to pay so that they can use the money to go and then offset the facility that the sovereign guarantee backed. So in the end, indirectly, those who buy the shares from GAD will become part owners of the, the bank. So that's, that's the model that they used. And I questioned that, and I'm in the Supreme Court fighting that, because when they came to us in Parliament and said they wanted to help the banks out, we didn't know that the support scheme will be structured in such a way that ultimately the interest in the banks will be transferred to third parties. And so, once again, um, the finance minister has created a very terrible situation for the banks. Uh, their monies are going to be locked up in government bonds. Coupon payments will be deferred. Uh, the quantum will be reduced. The timing of the payments, you know, uncertain or at least deferred. And so this will affect the liquidity of the banks. And... The banks are in trouble as a result of the mismanagement occasioned by the finance minister. Then he turns around and says, I'm going to help you out through a Ghana Financial Stability Fund. 
but go to, to God. And I'm saying that if they are going to God to suffer the same treatment that I've seen them suffer in the past, then once again, you are preparing the grounds for people to just come and take over these banks. So the only way that we can do this is if the Ghana Financial Stability Fund is going to be publicly funded. And you have to come to Parliament, we have to go through the processes, we have to find money somewhere. But clearly, you know, you can't even borrow because that is really your problem. As but, 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 you remember the, when yes. they made the announcement for the Ghana Financial Stability Fund, they said that there was some 15 billion CDs that will be made available to support the banks. So presumably, he did not say, but, but, but I'm coming, but presumably... Exactly, but that's the point. That's the point, because you say 15 billion or 50 billion, whatever, even if it's just 1 billion, from where, from which public source? We need to know that. And it, you can't just commit 15 billion of even 1 billion without coming to us in Parliament so that we know that this is where you are taking the money from and then we authorize you to go ahead and take that money. And without coming to Parliament, without any indication, you've already shepherded them. Go to God. Go and sit and let God tell you how this is going to be to be structured. One, I say God itself is an illegal entity. I mean, it's not the kind of body that should be doing this. And secondly, you are not certain as to where the money is going to come from. And if the history is anything to go by, God gets his money from private sources. So once again, if the God model is what you're going to use, you are definitely in the end going to tell the banks that God is going to lend from somewhere in the financial market, come and invest in you, and later on sell the shares to those that will buy so that they can raise money to go and pay. And I'm saying that that is a strategy you are using to take over these banks. Mm. In your previous correspondence to the governor, have you received any response? Oh, well, the, the governor, I recall, sent uh, a response to the secretary, uh, basically referring me to GATT and the Securities Exchange Commission because the issue really was about uh, our argument that um, the GATT is acting as a financial holding institution. And to act as a financial holding institution, you need a license from the central bank. And they did not have the license, and yet they were taking money and investing in banks and taking shares in those banks. And so they were acting as a financial holding institution. I didn't get the right response, and that is why actually we went to, to court, for the court to declare that GATT was breaching those laws. And so we are still in court. So is it a contention of your colleague Adongo that GATT is an illegal entity? Yes, I mean, that's, that's basically our, our argument. Our argument is that if you look at the structure of GATT, I mean, basically, um, uh, they go to HFC and they ask HFC to act on behalf of the Minister of Finance and then, you know, register a company and hold those shares uh, on behalf of the Minister of Finance. I mean, and uh, HFC itself is, is a private entity. So how can the Minister of Finance go and tell HFC, that, oh, please, uh, go and register a company and hold it on our behalf, and then we will give you 
a government uh, sovereign guarantee, then you go to the financial markets, go go and lend on the back of this this sovereign guarantee. It's it's just murky. I mean, given the crisis that confronted the banking sector then, if you wanted to set up a state institution, you could come to us under certificate of agency, and within a day we can pass a legislation, establish an institution. You give the institution a sovereign guarantee, it goes to lend, and we in Parliament would have put in place some checks to make sure that ultimately there's no scheme there to just, you know, expropriate the, the shares in those banks and then deprive the original owners of, of, of their institutions. Given that all these crises were, were triggered by, by the government. I mean, the current crisis is triggered by, by overborrowing, by the finance minister. You, you, you gave these banks bonds to, to hold and give you money to run the economy. They've given it to you. Now you wake up one element and say, I can't pay you and I'm going to defer payment, I'm going to restructure the, the loan. And these banks plan their liquidity around these receipts. So again, you've caused this. So, so, so why do you cause the situation for the banks and then go around to design an architecture that effectively will enable third parties to come and take over those banks? And we know in this country, given the history of PDS and etc., how, you know, Patrons can, can, can effectively design a scheme in which, you know, people linked to the system one way or the other will ultimately take these banks. And we need to protect these, these, these bank owners. I mean, people in the financial sector hardly talk. Even when they are suffering, they are suffocating. They just don't say anything. And, and that's why some of us feel the need to, to speak out for them. Your writ to the Supreme Court uh, essentially challenging the legality of the incorporation of GATT has not been determined. So, I think this question applies to both of you. The finance minister, obviously, if there's a writ pending, ought not be um, working with GATT until that writ is determined. But we could also say that for you, you probably need to find out what the Supreme Court's view is on the GATT before proceeding to the conclusions that you've concluded. Fair? Whichever way, whichever way, whichever way, the writ questioning the legality of GATT is one thing. The mechanism that GATT uses to support the banks is a separate matter. So one, we question the legality of GATT. And in the process, we're questioning the broader legal framework in which the finance minister works, which is you try to force these institutions to work with another private institution or even quasi-private institution. Then secondly... The financing mechanism is actually what really matters. Even if GATT were just a, uh, a private institution, but then the financing is from the state so that we know that, okay, the money is coming from the state. So if anybody at all is going to go and take shares in these banks, it will be the state. I mean, given that the state is struggling to establish a development bank, you might as well have just gone to put money in these banks, resuscitate them, get them functioning fully, and say, okay, uh, 30% of your portfolio should go into the workings of a development bank. I mean, I can understand that. I can buy that because I know that the shares are going to be held by the state. Even if the original owners become minority shareholders, the majority shareholder is the state, and they are part of the state. But you don't see that. You see him, you know, working his way out in such a way that ultimately... Um, third parties will own shares in these banks. It 
could be significant shares and the present shareholders could end up being minority shareholders. And somewhere down the line, they could actually just be kicked out. You, you chose to write to the governor. Is this with the view that he can stop this? Or you are just sound, sending him an alarm so you, you probably use the courts to stop this? Well, first and foremost, the, the, the governor and the central bank is primarily responsible under our laws for the health of the financial sector, which is made up of you know these banks. So it is his responsibility to keep his eye open on the entire processes and the design of the intervention to see to it that it doesn't result into what I am predicting it will resolve into. At the same time, I have a duty as a member of parliament when parliament resumes to begin to mobilize parliament to pay close attention to what is happening to these domestic banks and how the finance minister is moving and, you know, to block him uh, using the parliamentary processes in those areas where clearly it is the province of parliament to deal with. For instance, if he announces, you know, uh, 15 or 50 or 5 billion uh, Ghana cities or dollars intervention, we'll be asking him, where are you getting that money from? Where are you appropriating it from? Who's giving you the authority to spend that kind of money on the financial, on, on these banks? Uh, you know, we have to ask him. He has to come and answer to us. He has to explain to us where that money is coming from. And we have to also find out on what basis are you forcing banks to go and deal with this institution? Where is your legal power coming from, the le- your legal authority to direct the banks to go and deal with this agency? Where is it coming from? Can you tell us? And so there's, there's a certain level that uh, unless Parliament sleeps over its responsibility, it has a duty to intervene to make sure it is monitoring the finance minister as a member of the executive in whatever they are doing in this in, to deal with the crisis that confront us. Then ultimately, the bank, the, the courts, if, if all these fail, then it becomes a question of law and then the enforcement of the law, and that's where the courts come in. Okay. F- finally, I see the letter that sort of gives you the concern. The, the letter mis- that the finance minister wrote to the board chairman of the GATT, Mr. Albert Asian, where he essentially asks him to work with the affected institutions to prepare a detailed operationalization framework for their support and that the banks which have been affected by the DDEP will require some vested support through the GFSF via the GATT. A couple of things I noticed. Mr. Abetisa is the same person who chaired the committee that initially was to advise on whether we needed a debt exchange at all. How to... You remember there was an initial committee of five put in place to discuss how government should go about the domestic restructuring, whose report was never made public. So yeah. I, I, I thought that was quite interesting. So whether the, his being, uh, uh, the, the board chair of GATT already knew how this was going to end, I don't know, because he's the board chairman of GATT. GATT is now fully in the mix. He chaired a committee that r- made recommendations, which I'm reliably informed, it was no was not anywhere near as draconian as what we are seeing in the debt exchange. But they've not really come out to this avow <laughs> what the the government is doing. So we assume that they agree what the government is doing. That's the first point. Second point that letter sorry about that we'll come that letter is copied to 
banks. So I was wondering why the banks have not said anything, which was really my question. We see, so if and, you, uh, he will not, please call him back. I really yeah, need to, to if, get if him. If you honest. look into his uh, his letter, he creates the impression that the banks were actually forced into accepting the terms. Because uh, if you go to page two of his letter, for instance, he says, banks in Ghana hold about half of the entire domestic bonds of the government of Ghana. And individuals uh, hold 11% of the government bonds. The Minister of Finance has compelled domestic banks Mm -hmm. to voluntarily, and voluntarily is in, you know, quotes, Mm -hmm. engage in a debt exchange with the government in relation to the bonds they hold. Mm -hmm. Now, this involves reduced coupons and deferred payments. Definitely, the liquidity, solvency, and capitalization of these banks will be negatively affected. This also creates a problem for the financial sector as individual investors will be scared. Coming after the recent banking sector cleanup and the collapse of some banks it generated, people will shy away from depositing their funds in the banks. Mm -hmm. Our entire financial system or sector is in danger of collapsing. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, he said it expressly there that the government virtually, you know, forced the banks into accepting. Yeah, but th- I agree with that. But I wanted to still push back and ask. I think Ayaga is back on the yeah, line. On the so line. I, my, my question was twofold. The, the fact that some of the principals involved in this process, I mean, we know, and again, I'm not personalizing, Mr. Asian is a very experienced banker who will not be pushed around. But we have seen that the work they did prior to this whole thing was not made public. And we are not sure if the debt exchange in the manner in which it's, it's being done was their recommendation. So, and the fact that he is the same guy who is chairing the GAT is quite interesting. Then the fact that this letter was copied to the banks, right? And if the, if the banks are aware of this, and if this scheme is to basically take over the banks as you claim, the first person to be worried about this should be the banks. But I have not heard anything. And in fact, the banks have been very vocal in their disagreement with aspects of the debt exchange so why are you crying more than the bereaved well you know that the the banks mostly don't talk i mean you know you know our business environment they are licensed by the central bank central bank governors appointed by the president uh finance ministers given in directives uh, finance ministers is appointed by the president. Um, you know, they, they are totally overwhelmed by the structure of state control. And so they'll be careful um, to go out there and say all sorts of things. I mean, I don't suffer that kind of inability. I speak my mind. If what I'm saying doesn't make sense, somebody should tell me that it doesn't make sense. And I have a precedent. Go and look at how GATT dealt with some of those banks in the initial stages after the so-called banking cleanup exercise, um, the, the increased capitalization requirements, and how those banks were threatened with uh, closure. So see how GATT functioned. God should tell me that in this case, they have a different framework. They should come out and tell us, oh, this time we're not going to go and borrow the money from the financial market and come and invest uh, and later on uh, do an IPO and dispose of shares. They should come and tell me this is not the framework we're going to use this time. 
if this is the framework they are going to use again, which is what I know them for, then clearly, again, we're going to have a situation where ultimately they will be seeking to sell shares in these banks after their investments. And again, the banks, the owners of the banks will lose control. That is the issue. And as for the personalities involved, I mean, in these discourses, it's safer to stay away from personality. Mm. No, 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 no problem. Who is doing what? Yes. Yeah, yes. but uh, finally, though, do you not suppose that if this were true, the best thing would be would have been for the banks to reject the debt exchange, seeing as the debt exchange is the main uh, bait, for want of a better word, that, is, that sort of is, that, that's what sets the stage. If you are to be believed, <laughs> that's what sets the stage for this this takeover. But I, I do not see I, you. I do I not see listened, you saying listened, that they should reject I've, the debt exchange. I've listened. I've listened to you, Bernard Avler, several times discuss the debt exchange, and you know that the debt exchange is presented as a fait accompli. That you know, you accept the debt exchange. If you don't accept it, the economy will collapse, and and those debts will become worthless anyway. The bonds you are holding will become worthless in your hands. So that is the situation. If you see in the letter, I also try to appeal to the IMF that the conditionalities that they impose must you know, take into cognizance the fact that if the debt exchange is pushed, the banks will become really vulnerable. So if there's a way that the IMF also can make some concessions that might assist the, 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 the domestic banks, I'll be happy. So, so I push all sides. Maybe you haven't taken note of that paragraph in the letter. Yeah, the last paragraph. But yes, the last paragraph. Yes, yes. So, so I'm mindful of that. But the banks clearly, you know, have limitations uh, fighting the debt exchange. The individual bondholders, ah, haven't you seen the way they have fought? They have fought because the state has no control over them as individuals. But the banks, the state has control over them. They license them. They regulate them. There are other ways in which they can strangulate them if they start talking, you know, quote-unquote, recklessly. So they will be suffering, but they can't talk. But after the individuals, they will talk. So Senor Hosienko, they will go from platform to platform. They may even threaten mass demonstrations. But can the bank owners do this? They cannot because they are licensed by the state. I'm not sure all of them have met all the requirements of their licenses. And so one clause can just be triggered and your license will be taken away from you. And, you know, we can't say anything about it. So they cannot talk. That's the reality. They are suffering. I mean, they are in danger of losing their, their, their property. All right. And we must fight for them. Fair enough. Thank you for, for your time. And thank you for putting this out. We'll follow up on this. Thank you very much. That was Mama Yariga. MP for Boku Central. And, um, you know, Godfrey and Sky, we've been talking about parliamentary advocacy. We've been talking about the quality of work that parliament does. And I think if you read this in all fairness, mm-hmm. yes, some of the points they are making, you can say they are, he could be jumping to a conclusion, but he's grounded it in a lot of precedent and law mm-hmm. and economics. And I, 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 I urge all to read what he's put out. Mm-hmm. All fair man able to read it and conclude for themselves what he said. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I'm happy he's talking about Parliament coming in to stall this. Yeah. He's not 
he's not doing this just in the public domain. He's saying that he's trying to put this out so that when parliament reconvenes, mm-hmm. they will use their powers to look further, closer into this, mm-hmm. which I think is the right way to go. Yeah, it is the right way to go because, I mean, ultimately you're dealing with the finances of the nation and then also all the agreements that we'll be entering into with the IMF and, mm-hmm. and, and related institutions would require some parliamentary scrutiny at the mm-hmm. end of the day because mm-hmm. we're committing the public purse of our country and uh, to a large extent people would argue we are mortgaging the future of of, of, of um, some people presently and then future generations. So parliament would have to deal with that. The question is, if the deals are signed in their present form, uh, what will parliament do? The numbers are very, very tricky. Um, just one number over the rest. Mm. So that mm. is why you require, as I st- stated earlier, mm-hmm. a solid minority which is together, not divided, in order to deal with these issues. Because okay. if you have a divided minority, they will not be able to provide the kind of scrutiny that would ensure that our interests are pr- pr- protected. And again, uh, let me respectfully urge you know the the judiciary to also look at these issues with some you know expedition because i mean the, yeah, the more it delays exactly yeah. because right. uh, so, the, the other voice that is missing in the discourse mm-hmm. is private real sector and i'm going to explain so you have the organization of bankers made up of the banks mm-hmm. so they are financial institutions mm-hmm. now i distinguish between the financial sector and the real sector in the sense that the financial sector growth must be a consequence of the growth of the real sector mm-hmm. so the financial sector supports manufacturing industry trade and all of that. So the financial sector doesn't exist for its own purpose. Mm-hmm. Now, GSIA is also financial sector, regulated by SEC, right? Fund management, brokers and all these guys. Ghana Insurance Association, insurance is also really dependent on the real sector. Mm-hmm. Now, you have individual bondholders. Now, we've had pensioners, mm-hmm. pension companies. Mm-hmm. We haven't had AGI. We haven't had Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Mm-hmm. We haven't had private enterprise federation mm-hmm. and i feel we need to because and, and indeed i'm going to be speaking to somebody from private sector who agrees with me that there is a big vacuum in the discussion around the debt exchange which vacuum is that organizations in the real sector who obviously some of who buy government bonds some of who have lent to government mm-hmm. may be affected but none of them as far as i know has publicly made a statement. We've seen worker groups <laughs> make it. In fact, the the the, the labor yeah. unions have yep. been very very strong on the debt exchange. Pensions and now, related matters. Is it that the debt exchange does not affect the real sector, or is it that they don't feel that their exposure to the debt of government is that significant? Let's talk to Dr. Kwesiye Isin. He's a CEO of a company called Pacific Solutions, who has expressed similar concerns about the absence of AGI, GNCCI, and other real sector companies in the debt exchange conversation. Doc, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Bernard, and um, good morning to our listeners. So, is it your contention that AGI, GNCCI, and other real sector players are quiet because they misunderstand the debt exchange or they don't know that it will affect them or is that your exposure to the government bonds is that weak? Why haven't we heard from people in your sector when it comes to this debt exchange? Well, Bernard, it's a bit um, strange to arrive at those conclusions, especially in view of all that is happening. Because as you said, 
own right, all these organized associations are speaking in one form or shape and addressing issues, vigorously and aggressively. But um, when you take the micro, small and medium scale enterprises and other individual businesses, I think we do not have that kind of voice that is championing the cause as far as this detecting program is concerned. Why am I saying so? The banks, you know, kept calling individual bondholders, asking those holding bonds in the name of corporate entities. It could be limited liability or sole proprietorship and so on and so forth. And also, they called the individuals who you can assign specific means as a person to it. So in all the discourse that have been going on across the airways, and I've been monitoring seriously, it's all about individual bondholders or the institutional bondholders or the pension funds. So you talk about individual bondholders, I've just talked about it. The institution, as in the pension, the financial institution, the security and exchange commission, those collecting investment schemes, and so on and so forth. But the companies, the SMEs or the MSMEs, are missing in this, in this mix, or in this discussion. And that's where the issue is. And they are equally affected. And you know the contributions of these uh, uh, groups, or this segment, in the economy, i.e. GDP growth, employment generation, and all of that. But that is completely missing. Now, even to add insult to injury, the government communication that came last night, or yesterday, clearly specified those that the data things uh, uh, revised data exchange program is covering. And conspicuously missing is this group of people that I'm talking about. So then I ask myself, where are all these bodies? The AGIs, the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce, and the Private Enterprises Foundation, and so forth. Where are they? And where are they to champion the cause of mm. these particular groups? All right, that Doc, be my concern, a couple of things. I, I have been told that the Chamber of Commerce has expressed some reservation about the exchange. I have not seen the communication yet, but I've been told that they have made concerns. I haven't Neither have I. So I'm asking the person who says this to me to send the, the, the memorandum or whatever they said for me. But my question is, these micro, small and medium scale industries and businesses, what is the extent of the exposure to government? Because from, at least, we've seen the balance sheet of banks. We know a lot of them just buy government paper. So we are not surprised. We know a lot of pension companies have to patronize government bonds. That's not surprising. We know a lot of insurance companies use government bonds as part of their business model. But I am not, I'm not sure the level of exposure of these companies. Do you have any insights to share on this? Any numbers to tell us the exposure? Empirically, I don't have any data to share, but I can give you some anecdotal evidence. And you can speak to the banks or the financial institutions, and they can confirm some of these things. That Either there is some phobia by way of people coming forward for them to speak out or voice out, or at least come together as an organized body where we can have some data to put to government that this group of people, this is the level of exposure that they are facing. That is where the missing link is. And that's probably, you know, in this country, when you don't talk much or you don't share some form of statistics, then you are glossed over. So I think that is where the missing link is. But I think anecdotally, and I will probably ask you to also, you know, help in this endeavor because it's a real issue. But to answer your question directly, I don't have that data to support that level of exposure, but it's a real 
and clear and present danger. That is patient. But they are not speaking. But if what you are saying is true, then it means that the, the, the problems of the debt exchange are beyond the financial sector, i.e., if there's going to be suppressed economic growth or some lost um, capital, it, it, it's actually more serious than being... Because for now, most of the analysis is on the financial sector, right? But if basically, you're saying that the real sector is going to suffer as well. So the 2023 projections may... It may be worse for us than we actually anticipate. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. That's why they need to look at Because, I mean, the banks, the funds that they hold, how much of it is their own capital? That's why they talk about capital depreciation issue and their capital injection. That a lot of it comes from deposited. And these are also from the micro, small, medium scale enterprises, including all the other groups. So that's why we need to do proper segmentation and segregation and classify them accordingly. But my real issue here is there is over-concentration of some particular groups as against the others. So what I'm proposing is for us to look at things holistically and address the issue of small and medium-scale enterprises. Because we keep making noise about the SMEs, engine of growth and all that and so many, you know, stuff and jargons that we use concerning this particular group. But yet, when it comes to you know, this kind of uh, relief for bailouts or, you know, trying to mitigate the effects of this debt exchange program in particular. They are completely left out and nobody is talking about them. S- somebody, so, so, somebody is telling me that one of the reasons for this could be that SMEs do not buy bonds or do not like to buy bonds in their name as SMEs because of the tax implications. But when they buy in their name, so if I'm a CEO of an SME, I'm more likely to buy a bond in my personal name than in the company's name for tax windfall reasons. So the the SME, and, and don't forget in Ghana, a lot of SME owners do not differentiate their money from the company's money. So those people could be represented by the individual bondholders forum. But the business as an SME itself may not have bought the bond in their name. I don't know the extent to which this is true, but this is what somebody in the industry is telling me. I don't know what you think about that. Well, it may be true. There may, there may be some um, um, truth in what uh, the person is saying, but once again, you need data to support this. And if it's even people are trying to avoid tax for the reason for which you are adducing now, then I think it is also an indictment on the government as a whole because we are talking about corporate governance issues here, which now the government itself is caught in the web because of governance issues. That's where we find ourselves, where we find uh, uh, we, are, we, are, we are confronted, we are being confronted with now. Then we must look at all this because we can't, some segments of uh, the, uh, the, the business community cannot be seen to be doing right things by way of at least injecting capital, investing in the name of their corporate entities or businesses. Whereas, I just think they'll be so smart that whatever returns that they make, they route it through their individual uh, personal bank accounts and therefore invest in it. And then, you rather give the focus and attention to them. Then what are we doing? Because I don't know, the day, I would have thought that uh, if you prioritize the micro, small, and medium-scale enterprises as in their investment, then that is where you can even get tax returns. So if 
you see that there are movements in terms of shifts or transfer of funds, then at least we have regulators, Bank of Ghana, and all those, the, the financial institutions, then they should be monitoring some of these things and then at least address them accordingly. So if the person is saying that is what uh, company heads or corporate heads are doing, then at least we must sit down and then we look fair. at all these issues. Okay, fair enough. My final question to you, so now that you in the private sector, a real sector, SME, you've seen this. Give me one or two things you'd suppose the DDE should do for people like that. Do you have any recommendations? Are you saying they should be excluded? Or are you just saying they should just be given a voice at the table? Because I've given you a voice. You're on air now, right? So tell me, at least based on, because I'm sure you've thought about this before we did this interview. What do you think SMEs should be given? Or where do you think SMEs should stand? For example, Senor Jose tells us clearly, individual bondholders should be exempt. He's very clear on that. Same as Martin Kwebu. So now you are the voice for SMEs. Are you also saying that SME bondholders should be exempt? Or what, what are you saying? Well, I, I would have loved that AGI or Chamber of Commerce or PEP would have uh, put into this uh, extensively. But I am not proposing that they should be exempted. Far from that. I think we've moved away from that discussion of exemption because if the individual bondholders are having tough time with the exemption clause. What I am rather proposing is that now we have the revised rate, 10% uh, coupon rate per annum for individual bond owners. Then we have 15% also for uh, the pensioners and so on and so forth. Then the institutional bondholders, i.e. the banks, the insurance companies and so on and so forth, also have very, you know, um, probably acceptable deals that they've, gone, they've entered into with government. Now with the SME, can we look at a 15% coupon rate per annum for them? And then also for maturity period in terms of their, 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 their bonds, the bond tenure in five years, then at least we will know that at least that segment is being addressed. That is what I'm proposing. Thank you for talking to us, uh, Dr. Ayison. And now you are part of the advocacy, so I'm sure we'll be hearing more from you. Thank you very much. So that's the CEO of Pacific Solutions speaking from the perspective of SMEs and real sector companies. Um, I think there's one last thing I need to do, Richard, this morning. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I need a firm word from the individual bondholders on the new offer on the table. Because when I interviewed Winston, I feel there's going to be a challenge in disaggregating 59-year-olds above and 59 year old below because some are getting below some are getting 10 some are getting 15 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and these people are part of collective investment schemes so i don't know how a fund manager is going to do an age maybe you're going to say all those who are below 59 as of 2023 you will get 10 percent and those who are above 59 get 15 percent mm-hmm. all right and there's also some issues around if i am an individual in a collective investment scheme and i don't want to do the debt exchange Meanwhile, my fund manager believes that we should do it because we are collective. Okay, so if there's a collective investment scheme of 300,000 customers, are you going to ask each of them what they think? Are you going to let the board, because there's a, if every fund has a board, mm-hmm. is the board going to do an annual general meeting to take a vote? Mm-hmm. Do you get me? There's no, and also, when Mr. Senior Jose says that there's, the terms are better than the previous terms. What does that say? But yet he's saying that they will steady the document 
and then they will advise. But he said preliminarily that it will depend on your own circumstance and your expectations. Yeah, it's. it's but then, uh, yeah. So those are my unanswered questions. Yeah, I, I think again, I mean, producers are working hard to get uh, either uh, Senyo or Pebu, Mr. Pebu, on on this particular matter. But you see, beyond the advocacy that we have done here, and what Senyo, uh, the TUC, and some other institutions have done, I think one of the biggest gaps is thus far is the academia. Oh, right, right. Rather? No, Rather? The, no, no I'm, I'm making a, a very... A, oh. Academia, not in the sense of individual doctors from universities speaking, but institutions that are universities, that are doing business or doing economics, coming together, running regression based on the numbers that they may or may not have seen, running the data, and coming up with concrete proposals as to how the government should proceed. I've not seen that. What we have seen are things coming in from individual doctors from some of the universities and then also some of the associates of the IEA, the, you know, so the think tanks. And, and, and the think tanks. What I'm saying is that, you see, in, in, in other democracies where these things were done, the concentration and the input of the academia was very heavy. You understand? They put out their policy alternatives mm. as to guide what government should do. But for some reason, it would seem that we are not seeing that much, you know, from them. And again, I made the point the other day about the apparent silence of, you know, institutions like the GBA on, on, on some of these matters. The Honorable Ayariga is raising very important legal and constitutional matters. These are matters which ideally ought to have been raised by the GBA, for instance, or the alternative that is being proposed by the likes of uh, Honorable Dafamakpo. How come people's rights to some extent are being affected? I will use the word in a very friendly way. And it would seem that the bulwarks or the institutions that have traditionally defended the rights of people, we're talking about the right to own property. And while it is being presented as, oh, it is voluntarily being given to you for you to accept or not accept. The real issue is that constructively, you are being forced to accept it. Because as Honorable Yariga explained, if you go and put your money in the bank as a depositor, to a large extent, you are not immediately affected. But the real issue is that you are affected, whether you like it or not, as a depositor. Mm. Again, the question is, why is it that to the extent that we are forcing Ghanaians to use their privately earned resources to support the recovery of the economy, mm -hmm. we are not paying the same attention to some of these critical legal issues that are coming up. And that is why I am concerned that the judiciary, which is supposed to be the, the arbiter in all of these matters, it would seem that you know, people are, are concerned about the slow pace of work. I understand that there's so much work they deal with all the time. Mm -hmm. I understand that there are also resource constraints. But I will beg, I will plead with those managing the space to at least give some mm -hmm. expedited response judicially mm -hmm. to some of these matters that are coming before them. Because once these issues are resolved, some mm -hmm. other outstanding matters will be affected. Okay. So I am begging them. I, I, wanted, I wanted to just comment on academia, and I think Godfrey also had that same view. Mm -hmm. So the way academia works, we've heard from two, two, two sides. 
the labor union student academia have been very vocal. So the uh, UTAGs mm-hmm. and these guys, the, the, the unionized aspects yeah. of universities have been very clear. All right. Then we've had individual academics, John Gachi, you've had uh, uh, Professor Bokwin, Patrick mm-hmm. Esume, mm-hmm. uh, Professor Peter Corte. They speak a lot and they make their points clear. Mm-hmm. So it, my feeling is that institutions mm-hmm. in Ghana is very compli- complex to, to make a decision about something as controversial as this. To take a position as an institution may not be realistic within a short period of time, because who, if if you are the head of economics department at Legon, mm-hmm. you can individually give an interview to CTFM and express your views based on your own research. Mm-hmm. But for to commission a, an alternative package, as an example, so to say, mm-hmm. government is offering a, mm-hmm. we think this is the way they should do it. Mm-hmm. For the department to do it and to publish it, mm-hmm. I think the internal politics. Of universities will make it probably unrealistic to expect them to do that in the shortest possible time. But that's a time. disservice to us. No, but but, but because, no, hold on. Okay. But you see, civil society is a motley crowd of different groups. That's true. So you have IACDDs on one hand, mm-hmm. you have IFS, mm-hmm. Imanis. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of these people have lent support to the Individual Bondholders Forum. Mm-hmm. Now, if you read very carefully what the Bondholders Forum proposed with the Technical Committee, I can tell you that some of that work. Had academics involved in that's it. true. I, I acknowledge that. So I feel if you if I don't I don't see how academic institutions within the circumstance mm-hmm. can have a voice on their own. Once the individual, because they are, I mean, imagine what's the, what's the capacity of a department of economics at Legon to come up and say we don't support the exchange. Bernard. Does he speak for all the lecturers there? Bernard. <laughs> when was the last time the lecturers made to make a decision? Do you understand? He will, it, he will be out of order. But if the department of, if the head of the department grants an interview with CTFM and says, mm-hmm. I am a trained economist, mm-hmm. based on the question you asked me, this is what I think. Mm-hmm. Academia is contributing. Bernard, there's it's so much. See, the, hold on. I, 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 I appreciate some of the points that you made, but I made that concession earlier. That indeed you, we've heard from individual members of the institutions. But Bernard, are you saying that if the University of Ghana today, have they not come up with research reports that we have read here on matters affecting governance and many other issues? This is the single most important government policy decision since Kwame Nkrumah gained independence for us, affecting the economy. Are you saying that these institutions, the University of Ghana Business School, the Economics Department, yeah, yeah. you know, UCC, KNUST, all the, the GIMPA, for instance, all these institutions, at least one of them cannot, with all the experts that they have, yeah. come together and produce a policy alternative. Or a forum. Or a forum, organize a forum based on everything that they understand about economics. Because, look, you can go into these institutions and you find various research reports that have been done by all manner of people, including students. Okay. I, I, want to, I want to concede to you on one point. I remember in 2018... When the initial financial sector crisis started, when the discussions around the banking collapse was done, I remember Dr. P- Professor A.K.Q. Abuaji had done a stress, he had done a research like a year before. Okay. And he stress test, I think, 10 banks mm-hmm. or so. Mm-hmm. And I found his research report very useful, mm-hmm. even in my interviews and understanding of what was happening at the time. And, of course, he made it available. It was public document. Uh-huh. So I think you are right in the sense that if, for example, there are academic papers on financial sector, on debt exchanges, mm-hmm. on government insolvency, on borrowing, mm-hmm. on all of these, they could even decide to 
republish them mm-hmm. or to just make them available to say, by the way, here are a group of articles we've done around this which can inform Politics. not just the on-air discussion but the decision on the text. So you can say, okay, here's a pack. So it's like, I'm going to do something. You can give me, a, you know, usually when I'm going to do something on air and I talk to my academic friends, they can give me a pack of documents. So my other friend called uh, Ni, he will give me like six or seven academic articles mm-hmm. which inform the topic. The topic, yeah. And then he'll put it in the folder and say, I mean, you know me, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think Sky has a point when he says, and you work with academics. They could have said, okay, here are 10 articles around debt, restructuring, liquidity, um, regulatory forbearance, and all of these things that can help. Them. Because in fact, who are they giving it to? Oh, Godfrey. <laughs> Godfrey. Godfrey. You see. No, I'm asking. I'm, I'm, is that question okay. I'm asking you? Who are they giving For it example, to? Because hold I'm, on. I'm coming. I went on the I went on the website that you edit. Yes. When the the city started falling, yeah. you they put out they put out they put out about eight articles around Ghana's economy, yes. around currency depreciation, and around debt. I created that myself. But, and it and I'm coming, that's what I'm saying. And you were able to do that yes. because you were able to source all the articles from the academics and put it together. You got the academics to rewrite all the things they wrote and put Yes. Together. Sky's point is that Legon, uh-huh. Gempa, UGBS, mm-hmm. all these researchers, if they had said, okay, here are 10... Art- they can even make a memorandum to the Minister of Finance and say, since there's a big conversation about that exchange, here are 10 academic articles to guide the process. Historically, for example, something that happened in '84. How do you reconcile the 1984 to 20,000? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Put it together and say, by the way, use this to help the discussion. Even if we come on air. Yeah, I am or number two, <laughs> organize a platform like Issa Das to Organic Economy and say, okay, we are a credible institution. Economics Department of the University of Ghana, we have a big hall. Governor, come. Mm-hmm. Finance Minister, come. Mm-hmm. We want you to come and explain to the academic community what the debt exchange is and why you think it is the only way to go. Mm-hmm. Because so far, what we see is that they invite them to say maybe the Corporation Summit and they will speak. They invite them to launches. If the University of Ghana says we are partnering with CTFM or whatever, and we do that for budget, mm-hmm. but I think Sky's point is true because see, for a democracy to work, you need various sectors in society to step up the table. We've seen Senior and Martin Pebu and Co step up to the plate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To a large extent, they are private individuals. Yeah. We've seen think tanks, Imani. CDD, IE, and all. Some of them, they step up when it comes to constitutional review. They pick and choose because not everything tank has knowledge in everything. Mm-hmm. But I feel academia, the more I think about Oscar, the more I agree with him. They, they, they are different ways of doing it. You know, they can offer their services to the committee. There was a technical committee set up between Minister of Finance and the individual debt bondholders. Academics can say, we want to be part of this. Because as I says, this is probably the it's not probably. This is the biggest financial crisis we have faced since 1984. It is since mm-hmm. 1983. And the fact that a lot of social forces are dormant and quiet should be of concern to all of us. Now, I, you, have, I, you have someone like, okay, let's go to Senyo. No, no, Bernard, before you go to Senyo, because okay. otherwise there will be a, okay, a, go a, a lag, go on. you know, on yes. the points that you made. Like, completely. No, Senyo, producers have stopped Senyo, is going somewhere. So, so Senyo Hosi and Martin Pebu and Franklin Kujo and all these guys have have shown leadership from the private sector front and Godfrey, we need to commend them for this because if when i read the technical work they did with the solid i, I was like they, they were able to they were able to come up with see i did their back of the envelope analysis and i said we can save 
45 billion. If we do A, B, C, and D. Senior and his group got 83.5 billion. Close to. Yes, so, and this was like within two days. Mm-hmm. Alright. So, I we think CDD also put out some, some work that on, yes, on governance. Governance good. and But I'm, I'm saying that, and I'm using that to enter the interview. Of course, so there are a lot of things. So, Senor, thanks for joining us. I listened to you on Eyewitnesses yesterday, and for once, I wasn't sure what to do because, admittedly, this was a fresh statement from the minister. It hadn't fully been studied, and you were, you were, you were studying it. But I, I got the sense that maybe the, you are conflicted because we've moved forward from the initial position. As in the finance minister has made some more concessions, but it seems as if you are not able to say whether we should reject or we should accept. What, what is going on? All right. Uh, good morning, Bernard. First, uh, there are some fundamental things with the uh, one. We appreciate the ministry's revision uh, offer, and if you read it, the ministry for the first time has been formally clear, 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 clear. Singling out individual bondholders are free not to participate. So the option of it being voluntary, voluntary is real. These are the words of the minister. And we absolutely trust it. And it's also been very clear saying that if you keep your old bonds to honor it, that doesn't mean that there are not circumstances where some of these new bonds work. That's what I was trying to refer to yesterday. What we would have to do is to educate people well. So people have active options. The first one that was to debunk is this whole subtle suggestion that there'll be challenges or limitations with tradability. I don't subscribe to it. Our technical committee doesn't subscribe to it. That's a matter of opinion. But instances where you have officials of state going on public, going publicly to say people will lose up to 90% of their investment if they keep the it alive. The sure way you lose your money is to join the new bank. And that is where you have a problem. When you compare both papers, you have the old bonds averaging a return of about 20%, with, with maturity some shorter than the proposed five years. That will definitely give you a better value than the new bond. But you may have instances, especially in the case of pensioners, pensioners, where you have papers maybe like the SLA paper, that goes way beyond these five years. And you have a coupon of, say, 20%. That is a corporate bond. It will have to be subjected to personal income tax at the end of the year. That will be 25%. If you take 25% of the coupon of 20%, your net income or coupon will actually now become 15%. So in that case, you're almost at a neutral position. The only challenge you may have may be the legal issue. What legal standing do you have with the uh, new bonds versus what you have with the old bonds? The old bonds give you full legal power. The new bonds, we are yet to see the info memo. Mm. So yesterday mm. I was on one of your sister stations and I said, everybody should relax. For individuals, the minister is on your side, but he's giving you options. The goal we last Senor, hold on, just to clarify something. We'll, we'll, we'll clarify it. Are we sure that the minister is on the side of those who say they don't opt for the new bonds because he has not said they won't pay? But 
as you rightly pointed out, when you read the statement where he seeks to, and this is statement, the statement paragraph 3b, where he says, upon a successful DDEP, there will be very few of the old bonds in circulation and likely limits to the ability. That seems to be a certain pointer to, he's almost saying, if you don't come for the new bond, your, your old bond may be stuck in your hands and nobody will want to buy it. And and I don't know whether he then suggests then that you have to hold it to maturity and then you get whatever is due based on its tradability. I, I'm not sure what this okay, so paragraph is trying to say. All the minister was saying in there, when, when I say the minister is on your side, he has actually been clear, both in his own direct interviews and even in this memo. He is clear that you are free not to participate. He is clear that he will honor his obligations under the old bond. So that's not in dispute. So there's no need for anybody to create confusion about that particular line. That's why I say the minister is definitely on our side. But more importantly, he's actually on the side of the law. So even if he decided not to be on your side, he would have been going against the law. And if anybody holds him tomorrow or holds a stick and there's actually a loss, he'll be facing the, the, the risk of, 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 of being, being held responsible for causing financial loss to the state. Because this is just a clear matter. You have legal advice from the AG, all that, blah, blah, blah. Let's move on. Now, on this issue about tradability, the estimation of the finance ministry is that you have less of these bonds in the market. So if you have less of these bonds in the market, it means that the new bonds will be a lot more active than these new bonds, these old bonds. You are reducing 67 papers to 12. And before you have 67, you have some as low as 79 million, some as low as 800 million. And you are saying that people holding 15 billion cannot trade amongst themselves with the pension funds. I'm sorry. It is not founded, in my opinion, in the science and the finance of it. I'm not coming into this conversation as an ignoramus. I am MD of Legacy Bonds, who used to be the largest subscriber to government structured papers, over a billion. I'm coming to this conversation as an owner of a fund management company. I'm coming to this conversation as an economic and finance policy analyst, somebody with, with experience across West Africa. So I'm not coming here as somebody who doesn't know what he's saying. These are the facts. No, Senor, I, I get that too. We are just trying to understand what the, you see, be, be, because this is very technical, we, we wanted to make it clear to people what opting for the DDE means and what not opting for the DDE means. So let me make a statement and then try and correct me if I'm right or wrong. From the way I understand what the minister has said, if you do not opt for the DDE, you will have to hold your bond till maturity. Because if you decide to trade before it gets to maturity, it will lose, it, it, it would have lost face value or it is unlikely that you can get anybody to even buy it. So if you will not... not true. It's that, not true? Okay. It's not true. Let's just throw that way. Okay, it's not true. When, when, when this thing starts, you have the same issue. So the problem you really have is that the new bonds who are the ones who lose the most value mm-hmm. because they'll be giving you the least return. And anybody bringing new money into the market would want an optimal return. The problem you have having the new bond and the old bond work together is that when the new bond is carrying 10% or 5% and the old bond is carrying is carrying 20% and you still have the same issue being government of Ghana and government is going to honor all obligations under both. People will use that 20% as a benchmark 
And when you use 20% as a benchmark, then the 10%, the 5% depends. The value will crash. Mm. It will crash. What is going to happen is that your old boss will now become the Miss Ghana in town. Everybody wants to marry this one. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to have it as side check because you really want to keep this one. Because it is going to be the diamond amongst the pearl, amongst, amongst the stones. So, but does not does not depend on how many people have the new versus the old. So that if it doesn't depend, it doesn't depend on, on, on that, people have it. No, it doesn't depend on how many people have it versus the old. This is not a car where you are looking for who people who can repair. So the more people of the cars in the town, the more they repair. That's not the conversation here. Money okay. is fungible. Fair enough. Money so, is ma- ma- it is money. One dollar mm-hmm. is one dollar. One mm-hmm. city is one city. Everybody is looking for a return. Ask okay. your, you ask all, all the people who are not financially straight in your place whether they will take 10% over 20%. If mm-hmm. they have money now and they have to invest and the same person is the one lending, the risk is the same. So tell me, the other thing you should be realized is that the old bonds will have things like ESLA, which are structured papers with clearly defined source of revenue. Mm-hmm. Today, Fair enough. As so a, so a, I get it. So if I am... Hold on. I'm just trying hold to... On, I'm, on, I'm trying to get it. So, one, one okay, point, go on. Yeah. As an investor, I will go for Esla and go for a GOG bond because that one I know that when people buy petrol, they pay the money to pay me. Mm. But when GOG has issued it, you don't even know which part of the consolidated fund is going to use to pay you. Mm. So Fair which enough. one do you want to take? Good. So if I am an individual bondholder and I either decide to trade or even to hold to maturity, when it's time, government, based on all the minister has said, will pay the interest when the coupon data arrives. And I also get my principal. Of course, inflation would have done what it would have done. But from everything we've said, if we hold our individual bonds as individual bondholders, we will get payment and the coupon at the time based on the understanding we had when we bought those bonds. That one is clear. I want to ask, good, I want to ask you, you a follow-up on that. If you want to sell at any point in time, you will get more value for the old bonds than you will get for the new bonds. The only problem that you are having right now is that some people are trying to inject fear and uncertainty. With the minister has debunked and said he will honor the obligations. So that's, that's what I can't stand in this conversation. Mm. Where people are trying to sell fear. There's no fear in this matter. The minister has been categorical. But if you ask me professionally, and if somebody wants to say, is there, are there instances where it may be good to actually take some of the newborns? There may be subject to everybody's peculiar circumstance. Fair enough. Like I gave an example. I have a paper that is going to mature in 2031. Now I'm a pensioner. This 2031 20, 20, 20, one, one uh, if I have to pay my taxes, the effect value will be 15% coupon. Now I can't even get my maturity in five years instead of waiting, uh, waiting, uh, waiting to, 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 for eight years. In an instance like that, your matter is different. These are the facts of okay. so Fair enough, but the, the other last clarification has to do with collective investment scheme members. So yes, because of your advocacy, we, the CIS members, are now considered individual bondholders. But the complication is that whereas an individual bondholder like you can instruct your financial institution what to do for you, Mr. Senor Hosi, I am part of maybe 30,000 people who are in some fund managed by some guy. Now, if, and based on the, of, based on the, what government has said he's going to do, people who are 59 and below will get 10%. People who are 59 and above will get 15%. How, two things. How do I tell my fund manager that I don't want to be part? That's number one. Number two. Even if I will be part, 
How does my fund manager differentiate between Richard Sky, who is 72 years old, and Bernard Avler, who is 44 years old? Because they are all part of the same CIS. And one is getting 15, one is getting 10. I don't know if you get my question. Yeah, it's not going to be functional for governments to operationalize the segregation in, um, I mean, with CIS. At the end of the day, government must actually come with an offer that harmonizes both positions. What the, what, what's the difference in the people's situation? If you, Avle, you are the one taking care of your mother, and you actually have invested in a bond, and your mother is what is 80 plus, and that's the money you should take care of her. What's the difference between that and she herself having it, it invested herself, and she, she also needs to use the same money to take care of her, her, herself? Is it the same old, old age that you are trying to address? Mm-hmm. How do you discriminate between the two? We will have to harmonize it. So that one of the proposals we are likely going to be making. But we still have to have our, our forums to have a conversation that we have to harmonize the position so that collective investment schemes can actually opt for both the old bonds and a bit of the new bonds. They are all going to be traded in the market. The mm. thing is that the value will drop for the new bonds and the, and the old bonds will have a superior value. And to actually depend on the cost of funds at any given point in time. For a discount rate of X, they are going to have a better value with the old bonds than the new bonds. But maybe the, the CIS, your fund manager, may see opportunities in the market who may be an arbitrage. And they say, okay, let me take some of the, of the new bonds. So that flexibility must exist for collective investment schemes. I don't think you are going to have much problems. So over the next two weeks, you are going to have that conversation with government. The only thing I just want people to understand, holding on to your new bonds doesn't present you any present and real and subordinated uh, well, in a risk opposition against the old bond. It doesn't work. Mm. You are in a superior position. You may have unique situations where you have you have a, a better value, all right, or you have equal value, and you can you can take a neutral position. Like I gave you an example, I have a paper maturing in eight years. Government says that I can bring that eight year paper today and let it mature in five years and collect fifteen percent. Will be practically what I'll take until the eight years. I may rather take it and respond to the market when I get my maturity in five years. So these things vary. And that's why I, I, I was not so mm-hmm. expressed, I mean, in yesterday's uh, meeting. But if you are in doubt, just keep your old bond. Wonderful. If so I think that's clear. Hold your old bond. You will not be disadvantaged. If you have a peculiar need that requires you to opt for the offer, go ahead. But generally speaking, the old bonds are not the holders of the old bonds will not suffer or they will not have any inimical outcomes if they choose to reject the DDE. That's my take out from what you said. It's the summary of the of the of the whole matter. The market is not going to punish you for it. Policy can't punish you for it. Won't punish you too for it. So there's nothing to really worry mm. about. I would have been I would have been happier manager. if the way you if if the financial is the one saying it the way you are saying it so clearly and so because it's easier to, I'm, 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 maybe I'm being a bit facetious, but it's easier to, because you see, when you listen to him, you have to listen very carefully to understand, because some of the, the comments he makes are in response to questions as well. Like in the way you've said to me very categorically here that if I hold on to my own bond as an individual bondholder, I am not disadvantaged in any way. Obviously, he is trying to sell a new bond to me, so he won't say it in the same way that you say it. But it will be more comforting for government to make it as unequivocal as you are that holding on to your old bond does not disadvantage you in any way except if your circumstances are peculiar based on the example that you give. So I will leave it here, Senor. Thank you. So, uh, one note, please, uh, mm-hmm. with your permission. I think the financial minister has done that. 
read his interview with a with a with a graphic, both in online and then in print. He has been categorical about that. I'm going to honor my obligations under the old bond. The only thing he has said is that he cannot and guarantee what happens on the secondary market. But the truth is that the finance minister has never guaranteed anything happening on the, on the secondary market. And he can also guarantee what happens on the secondary market for the new bond. So it is a good disclaimer that he's just making, that I am going to do my part. But what happens in the market is not my, my doing. So you don't want, you have to manage it yourself. And he's right. So I think he has already given that communication. Wonderful. Fine. And hopefully uh, you will send a statement again from the IBHF uh, to reiterate what you just said to me. Absolutely, we will. Yes, it's important for us. Thank you, Senor Jose. Uh, I, I want to call him a convener, but there are a lot of co-conveners. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so Sky, you see individual uh, bondholders, civil society, spending their time doing this great work. Mm-hmm. And, and Godfrey, Sky's point is that a lot more people, and these guys are not paid to do this. There are people whose job as civil society is to do this. There are academics who are in a better position with academic freedom to do a lot of things, they are not. But I'm, I'm not here to to. He said, "Well, you know." No, no. You see, that's because I, I wanted to understand clearly what Sky was uh, looking for. From he wanted more fire. No, it dep- and consistency. But there has been. But the academics see, have been consistent. The, the, no, the, have not. You see, no, 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 it's no, no. Individual academics, like individual bondholders. No, no, no. <laughs> but you see, the, the thing is, most of them would operate upon the urgings of, and. Academic freedom is such that people would hold different thoughts. Yeah. All of them will not think the same way. Exactly. Okay. Which is the point you were making yeah. about the, Bar- what Barbara thinks about it's this. It's not what the Botexin would say. Mm-hmm. Sky's point is perhaps the whole department would have come together and say, Barbara Tebotexin. Uh, no, he said something like Issa. No, but Issa, 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 Issa can't a position. But, but Issa did. On the, yes. But in December. He said, pu- pu- published. They, they invited every journalist in this country. Ah, Sky. There you are. With Professor Peter Cote speaking. That's all. So what they did in December. He said they did. The day he said discuss the budget, yeah. they discussed debt exchange. Thank you. You see, so yeah. it's it's so not maybe just they, maybe they didn't shout a lot, but they did it. The, the thing we must we must also appreciate, you see, because um we've come a long way mm-hmm. with how uh, in, in getting our academics to become a lot more public intellectuals. Yes, sir. Okay, because of course there's the, the, there's risk of intimidation, yes. there's a lot of things. Mm. Those, you cannot politics. You cannot overlook those things. They are there, but a lot more of them have tried. Mm. And the thing also is, if you must consider the environment. We all know we are dealing with a government that is not very forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Even if you look at the kind of information that was put out on the debt exchange. We were there, boom. We were told this is what we are coming to do. Mm-hmm. Look at what it took to even get the government to de- come and do what it should have done earlier, which is to engage. So if it had started from that parameter, they would then have learned about the experiences that you told us about, Jamaica, mm-hmm. Barbados, and all those things. That is where the academics will come in. They will tell you, that, oh, this is what happened in Jamaica. This is what happened here. So let's sit down and do it this way. But sometimes, if you are also not dealing with a very cooperative environment... This is what happened, right. you know. So yeah. I, I think. So I think we are there. So I, 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 will, I, will, I, I get so, so guys' point, but two, they've tried. Two, two pointers. They've tried. There's going to be a statement issued on Thursday, which is tomorrow, to synchronize a final position on the offer for mm. all the groups, which will include individual bondholders, banks, everybody. So wait for that statement. Uh, Senior people also going to issue a statement mm-hmm. to put in in text what they've said to me. 
for people to be sure of what the options there are. And we have to also agree that the world is very complex. So nobody can make a decision for you. Try as much as possible to understand everything and make your own decision. But to be fair, the bondholders have, the individual have done a lot of work mm-hmm. in bringing clarity and improving the position, even for the offer that is on the table. Mm-hmm. We have to accept that. We'll take a shot, but when we come back, we are lucky to have the GRA come in to, to throw a bit more light on yesterday's discussion around whether it's better for them to lead the effort to collect um, uh, what's the property, property rates rate or whether in the, uh, the, the assembly should do this. So they are coming in to talk to us about that. So the show is not over. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. For the hashtag CityCBS. This is City 97.3. I say this world is not your own Cause if you die your body know they go back home Koya giri manka ala ne baba papa So it's 932 City Breakfast Show Um We'll be speaking <laughs> to Jerry shortly It's been a really packed morning If you mm-hmm. just tuned in you've missed a lot We started by talking to Winston Nelson Jr. of the GSIA they sort of explained what the new offer to individual bondholders means for collective investment schemes. Then we, what else did we do? We spoke to Mama Yariga, who is um, warning against government using GATT to bail out the banks because he thinks they will use the backdoor to appropriate shares in banks for private people. Um, and then we spoke to, who did we speak to again? Um, Senor Hossi. No, Senor Hossi. We spoke to some guy, Dr. something. Dr. Ade. Doc. No. Some guy on SMEs, yes, yeah. SMEs, yes, yes, and how they could Dr. be affected by, his name, yeah. by the then, DEP. yes, and then we brought in Senor Hosi, yes, on the on the DDE, yeah. So Nathan, tell me a couple of things before I come to GRA. Well, yes, um, Lashibifunra Homes and Crematorium. They are reminding people that they've got great products and services, whatever it is you want, from picking up your loved one through to the burial or cremation and funeral reception. They have you covered. Call them on zero five zero nine five four two four zero nine or send them an e- email info at lashibifunrahomes dot com. They've been doing this for twenty one years, so they have a good idea of what it is they are doing. Visit their website lashibifunrahomes dot com for more info that should be from our homes and crematorium dignity for the deceased comfort for the bereaved now the 2023 heritage caravan is officially sold out thank you for your patronage now let's get ready for a road trip of a lifetime to discover ghana from march 4 to march 11 pack your bags and let's go on this spectacular tour 
Uh, we'll put everything together in seven exciting days. We go through 13 incredible regions and with the promise of a rich cultural experience, introspective historical visitations and exhilarating field days with nature. It's a journey full of fun, education, information, wonderful memories and great bonding moments on the Heritage Caravan 2023 and inspired by City TV in partnership with the Ghana Tourism Authority with support from City FM and proudly sponsored by Holad Ghana, the European Union, Malta, Guinness, Ebony Condoms, the Goyle Company Limited, National Lottery Authority and Voltic Mineral Water. <laughs> So a few people are saying that I should <laughs> I should stick to what the minister said in his text because they still have concerns about whether those who do not offer the DDE will be paid. But I feel we need to be we should stick to what's on the paper. All right. So the indication we get is that they want people to opt for the new one, mm-hmm. but the individual bonus are saying, look. We, 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 you will not be worse off if you maintain your old bonds. Um, only truth is that. The, the, anyway, let me just let, let's just read the comments. Well, some comments <laughs> coming in. Uh, Kwabna, who's a fund manager, says in a CIS that's a collective investment scheme. Mm-hmm. The individuals cannot say they want to participate or not. Mm-hmm. It is the fund that will either participate or not participate. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the individuals in the fund will have to go with the fund's decision. Mm-hmm. Also, the individuals with different interest rates are at the CSD level and not those in the CIS, mm-hmm. i.e. the 59 plus yeah. and below 59. Yes. I think I'm not. Thank you for that clarification. Mm-hmm. I think Senor also said that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Kamina. Okay. This one says, my question is the 10% and 15%, is it per annum or for the five years? There's the statement to clarify it. From Tony. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. This one says, can you please help us get clarity on pending payments to customers who are under the receivership with investment firms that were collapsed under the SEC. Oh, my God. There was a five-year payment plan for which we received first installments in 2021, but no payments in 2022. There hasn't been any communication whatsoever on where we stand. Mm -hmm. GCB Capital was handling these payments. Okay? Joseph is asking. The problems don't don't, don't end. Sorry. Hello, Bernard. Please, I did fix deposits for as far as last year, first quarter, for only three months. And when the investment matured, the bank in question... Uh, Bond Financial has refused to pay my investments to me. All my attempts to get the money has failed, or have failed all Mm -hmm. attempts. In fact, I have been told that they are facing a liquidity challenge. Mm -hmm. They have no option than to roll over my investments while awaiting uh, Bank of Ghana approval. Mm -hmm. But now this money is meant for a business I plan to set up and I'm waiting for machines. Oh, then I have to pay. Yeah, so the, he has, he has the machines. The machines have to be clear. Yeah, he has to be clear. Mm. Mm. And so Bond, Bond has not paid him. Hey, hey, who? So write right. to Bond. Bond, please pay him. Pay All right. him or her. More messages. I'm a fund manager with one of the firms, and he's saying Senor is not painting the entire picture about the tradability of old bonds. Banks, banks have been told old bonds will hold a hundred percent risk weight. Hey which, of course, will affect their CAR, whatever that means. Capital adequacy ratio. Okay. Uh, Thus, there will be no desire for banks to buy old bonds. Banks are the major buyers of bonds. And as such, 
affects liquidity. Aside from that, there's still not certainty that after you opt out of the DDEP, governments will service their obligations. That is the point that I felt. That is the, the point, really. Should come and say that. But you know, he point. can't say that because if he says that, nobody's going to buy the new bond. <laughs> nobody's going to accept the new offer. So it's a bit of a cast twenty-two. Uh, there's more comments. All right, I couldn't. Sky, yes, Sky. Okay, I couldn't have agreed more with Sky. It actually adds to the narrative that our educational system is irrelevant or seems to be in the opposite direction with our needs as a country. If academia were speaking through policy releases, that would put the government on its toes. Mm -hmm. They should be seen to be organizing public lectures to present policy directions, mm -hmm. and they can do this without taking any entrenched positions. But positing how they believe this could be resolved, or mm -hmm. if for nothing at all, at least for the public. Our academia has been eaten up by politics. The deafening silence of key institutions such as the GBA, the inertia of the judiciary in deciding cases relating to government dis decisions of this government, as if to say that any decision the government makes is the right one. Mm. The judiciary need not to be told to set, up, to set up special courts as soon as possible, like they did for mining, to deal with any litigations bothering on this DDE thing because it's about life and death. Mm. I'm very disappointed as a defenseless citizen. But, but again, on that point, Bernard, you see, I must also say, as a people, um, it's, it's kind of like the people who, say, who make comments like, the media did not talk about this by virtue of the fact that they listened to one radio station and did not hear something. <laughs> I, I like the way you pointed to Sky that you understand. some people have actually said things. Oh, yes. let, me, let me tell you something. Do you know there's a very comprehensive academic paper that analyzes the school feeding program properly? If I ask how many people have read it, I, I, who I, have I, even heard of it? Is it on uh, Kofi Asari's website? No, 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 it's not. It's very bad. It's a very public paper written done by Dr. Rahim, UDS. But because he teaches at UDS, nobody is going to UDS to go and check what mm -hmm, they have mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. You understand? But it's very available. Again, with um, two years ago, Dr. Eduo Susakwadie, who is yeah. quite a regular, mm -hmm. he makes himself available to us, did a paper, a study on how Ghana can maximize revenue from its minerals. Mm -hmm. Who read it? I did. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I did. It's written. I have it. Do you remember that paper? Wonderful. I he, 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 in fact, Wonderful. showed us how every year one Ghana could make up X amount yeah, of yeah. money I, I if did. it changed X legislation, if it charged this and this and this and but, that. But there's also a responsibility for those who write papers and whatever they do to find a way of circulating. No, it. but they do distribute. I, I found it through some other means. Then yes. I used it because I needed to do an interview. But what are the resources available to an academic other than what you normally would have published Maybe in the, the journal? Put it on itself, their Facebook. The university, what would they do? the university communications should be doing more. But... You see, the, the thing also is, Bernard, it's just the general lack of thirst to look for some of these things. There are days where, even online, Bernard, if you put up, if you tweet, when you do tweet about something, Nathan is quite a victim of this. You can tweet information. Somebody will tell you a link. Meanwhile, you've provided more than adequate enough information for somebody who has enough know-how to access Twitter. But just come on Google and, and check. And just it says link. Then they say they want a link. If you don't add the link, he's not going to find yeah. it himself. Or Bernard, you share a link and then somebody will come and comment. So what is the summary of all of all this? Of this? <laughs> but it's a sign of the times as well because you, you know that because of the way information has become yeah, so the information available, overload. it's much... People want it in bite sizes and they don't want to read... I don't know. It's in bite sizes for I, some I of them. Know. Some of them are in bite sizes. I actually think I actually, see, I actually think that electronic use like the way we process 
information yeah. is making us dumber, although it's giving us more information. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is that you have a little of a lot, mm-hmm. but you don't have a lot of any one thing. Mm-hmm. So most people would have read, for example, if you go on a Twitter timeline, there are 10, whatever, thousands mm-hmm. of comments. So a lot of people just want the headlines. Yeah. They don't want to really understand. So that mm-hmm. exchange. So they say, Senor, should we take it or not? Mm-hmm. They don't want to know that things are more nuanced than that. So, and I feel yeah. it's a bigger commentary on the way society is being framed to question things less. Yes. Because we are not, we are not deep anymore. We are very, Charlie, quick, quick, quick. Charlie, yeah, so what will be the, you know, let's, mm-hmm. let's move on to the next topic. And, and we've also allowed the political space to discredit academia over a long period of time and mm-hmm. just intellectual conversation. Look at someone like Bright Simmons Charlie. and the work he does. I don't even know, I don't even know <laughs> where, how he gets, but the, the amount <laughs> and of, this is somebody else in the same school. But, so I say, ah, did he go to the same school? But when, if you go and get on like the amount of abuse he gets, he gets, for simply looking to engage and question. Hey, also you always question. Why are you asking questions? The government is doing... Yeah, yeah, yeah. After he would have sat down and done the research, asked, okay, why are we doing A and this? Why not this? What is this option? Somebody who... Most of the people would say, oh, you are, you are too known. But the good thing is that if he was... He doesn't stop. If he was following those things, he wouldn't be doing... Yeah, no, he doesn't stop. Because, you know, you are right. We are in a society which is very anti-intellectual. Very! And they don't question a lot, so it's like, oh, Uncle, they will too know too much. They be a yes, yes, but that's where we are suffering. No, that's who we are. So, so a lot of people, people don't want to come out. Yeah. Change makers never. But also, it's also because we are not in a meritocracy. Because you can be very flippant and very lazy and use second means to make money, right? You can, you can be, you, you. you that's the you see in certain places, ideas rule. Because it's a mer- it's merit based. Yeah. Here it's not merit based. You are friends with somebody, so because you are friends with a minister, you can insult Prime Simmons, and because he will give you some money at the end of the day, yeah. and you can buy a land that will be, you are okay. Yeah, you. Yeah, so that's the problem. The, 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 the society that does not, if 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 you if your rising is not based on merit, mm-hmm. but it's based on proximity to power, you can sit anywhere and say anything you want, yeah, that's right, which is wrong. <laughs> that's what. The, so it's like ah. Uh, how, much, how much money does he have? As if money is the end of everything. You yeah. see, and people talk about you know? uh, this. This message here says we need to have a written opinion from former BOG governors and deputies finance ministers regarding the current economic crisis. Secretary writes every single day. Yeah. People no, say they don't understand what he's writing. They want more. They want <laughs> acquaintances. No, but Tekwe writes every day. Out the doctor Ananeji. Who is Eduan Ananeji? But he, he was forced out because of the. No, but whether he was forced out or not, who is he? That's the former director of SEC. In the context, so if you are Wampa or or if you are Isahaku or if you are Polakwa, you probably don't want to write because a lot of these people know that professionally, when you are out of a position, anything you say can also affect the person in the position in a way. So they prefer to give the advice individually. Some of it is like an 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 unwritten unwritten rule. So some of them we have to allow them that. And again, from what you said about Bryce Simmons, not everybody wants to be insulted. A society yeah. that cannot protect its uh, intellectuals, a society that cannot protect people who are thought leaders, that society does not deserve the, the information that is put out. No, but this society actually thrives on bashing intellectuals. You see, but you see, no, it's what? because the platforms don't have regulation and the platforms are not being well managed. You see, why don't we give people who bash people the chance on this show? If this program was an example of 
a public forum. Mm-hmm. How many of the insulters have you? If when I interview by Simmons, do you read an insult? Don't you get insults? Do you read it? <laughs> no, no, no. Now they stop sending insults because yeah. you don't read it. Yeah. So it's also because of managing. So you see, it's not society has every society has foolish people. <laughs> that is true. It is. It is. Sorry for the way, but that's the truth. Every, what yes. you what you need is to have. A rigorous enforcement and 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 and, re, and I don't regulate the bad way. You 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 have to look. I I manage I manage the space I have been given. Mm-hmm. Just understand because okay. I am a custodian of the space, so I can't just say, "Oh, it's a democracy." Everybody say anything they want. No, you have to come to the thing. So even who I even put on, sometimes you have to be sure who is this guy. What's just so. We shouldn't just blame people for being foolish. We should also say we the guys who have been given the power to regulate the space. What are we doing to? To differentiate between the ones who have sense and those who don't, yeah. you know. Yeah. So we, the journalists, who do we empower? Who do we give voice to? That's the point. Yeah. Because there will be look. You can go and stand in a market and say there are two million opinions about what you are doing. So that shouldn't be your problem. Your problem should be why we are unable to protect the likes of Rice Simmons. To because we know that the level of knowledge you. I mean, the, the guy wrote an article on Chat GTP. In two days, I was like, ah, but how did you get all this information? <laughs> Where did you get it from? Just because we are all went to the same school, you know. But people have spent their time, they invest their time in knowledge, mm-hmm. and even institutionally, as Sky was saying, we are doing a debt exchange. There are people you can invite to the table, but it's almost like don't call them. But if you are in power, you have sense. So in Ghana, the proof of sense is that you won an election. Mm-hmm. So when you win an election, them. It, it automatically mm-hmm. transforms into some superior knowledge. Mm-hmm. So because you won an election, it means now whatever you say is true. So the rest who didn't contest elections, they, they don't have sense it can be. because election is the passage, is the pass mark mm-hmm. for sense mm-hmm. in public discourse. Yes, that's why we are suffering. It's sad, you know. It's sad. And Bernard, just to make this. Quick point. I've heard repeatedly people say, oh, our constitution is ballized. Nah, let's throw it away and all mm-hmm. of that. One of the reasons why the likes of Senyo have developed so much kahunas as to deal with this matter is the constitutional provision protecting acquisition of property. Mm. The constitutional guy, provision... It's so late, so I'll take a short break. <laughs> I'll give him the 10 minutes he came. Boss, you didn't come early, but we'll do what we can, so stay with us. <laughs> This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. So it's nine minutes to ten. I have in the studio Alaji Yakubu Anderson, Chief Revenue Officer GRA, and at that day Head of Communication, myassembly.gov.gh. As you know, there's a collaboration between GRA and NMDAs to collect property rates. Want to see how far this collaboration has come, the rationale behind the collaboration, how it's going to work in practice. Alaji, welcome to the show. Thank you. Ernest, welcome to the show. It's good to see you you after a long time. So, Alaji, this um, GRA MMDA collaboration for property rates, give me some background. How far has it been in the works and what, what does it entail? You know, this has been on the drawing board for a very long time. Mm hmm. At least since um, this new government took over, mm. they indicated clearly they will want to uh, improve mm. on the way and manner the assemblies collect uh, property rates. Mm-hmm. And so somewhere last year, they approached us, the assembly, I'm talking about the Ministry of Local Government, that mm. they will want to collaborate with GRE to collect, because we, our duty is to collect taxes. And that is that is what we do. So we have expertise in that that regard. Mm-hmm. And so they approached us. And then since both of us are government 
um, agencies. Mm-hmm. There's the need for us to collaborate for the benefit of the country, and that's what we have done. Mm-hmm. So for now, uh, GRA has set up a, a data um, platform, mm-hmm. okay, for collection of property rates mm-hmm. throughout the, the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, mm-hmm. I think that. Uh, only about 76 of the assemblies mm-hmm. have their properties, you know, valued. Mm-hmm. So that is what we have captured and that's what we have started with. But um, uh, the, the consultant so here... Will, so will just based on the division of labor, you have created a data platform. Yes. Who will collect the tax? They or you? So we, you let me put that yeah, because it's a, it's, it's a your area. Exactly. exactly. You, you know how to collect money. <laughs> so GRA will collect the money. Exactly. So, uh, Alex, what will NS. what? NS, sorry, NS. Why do you call me Alex? Yeah, I've been. Mean, it's been too long no, since no, I came here. The Adade name. I know another Alex Adade. So <laughs> forgive me. NS, thank you. So you are from myassembly.gov.gh. Yes. Who are you guys? Uh, in fact, the myassembly.gov.gh is there's the platform. Mm-hmm. There is it's a platform where from 2023 January, mm-hmm. everybody has to pay property rate through mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, that platform. Mm-hmm. So as we speak now, anybody listening to us can just log on to their PCs mm-hmm. and then just Google my www.myassembly.gov.gh mm-hmm. and then it will give you a platform. You open, it takes you to a landing page. From there, you see register a property and you register your property. It's as simple as that, as simple as ABC. That's mm-hmm. all we are doing. Mm-hmm. Immediately, you finish registering your property. Mm-hmm. It will give you the opportunity to add whatever property that you have. So, mm-hmm. Bernard has 10 houses in Ghana <laughs> all across the Are regions. you speaking prophetically? Possibly. <laughs> and then uh, you can add all your 10 properties across mm-hmm. the country mm-hmm. on one page. So, mm-hmm. you can see all that you owe in a consolidated bill mm-hmm. and then you see individualized bills and mm-hmm. then you'll be able to pay whichever one uh, yeah. you are ready but he to says the, uh, the 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 database or the valuation is for 76 assemblies yes so you're saying that for the if my property is within those 76 yes that's when i can use the platform no Everybody is using the platform to pay. Mm. So the seven to six, the law says we should value your property. And the only organization that's given the power to value properties in Ghana here is the Land Valuation Division of the Lands Commission. Mm-hmm. If they finish valuing your property, they will take it to the MMDAs for publication. So by now, as we speak, any of the seven to six uh, advertised or published assemblies that mm-hmm. has been valued, you mm-hmm. can go to the MMDA and check the value of your property. Mm-hmm. Those people will get bills immediately. Mm-hmm. Because the rate imposed, which is used to multiply the value of your property before we know the rate you have to pay, is ready. Mm -hmm. Your value is ready, so you can receive a bill. Mm -hmm. So immediately, we begin to distribute bills. You will get an Mm e-bill on your phone, in your email. Mm -hmm. After that, anybody who is with the outside the 76 valued MMDs, mm-hmm. these valued MMDs, the people who are not valued yet will not get a bill mm-hmm. until it's been valued. Mm-hmm. So within the next six weeks, a project has been launched to value all other properties that are left, and it will be done. That in is where I want to come in here. Yes. You know, we as GRE know that assemblies have been going around issuing bills to people. Sometimes you may not even know whether the person actually works with the assembly. Mm-hmm. We as professionals will not do that. Mm-hmm. And so whatever amount we tell you that you, you owe, it should be based on a certain value. Mm-hmm. And that is why the valuation is very, very key. Mm-hmm. So for now, for our database, those 76 assemblies that have their properties valued, that's what we, we are using. And I think uh, he's with the consulting firm. 
they are working on valuing the asset of the remaining 185 or so. Yes, as soon as they are valued, then we will bring them onto the uh, data. Uh, so let's just get clarified. Let, let me clarify something. So that if I tell you you owe how, how, how is the rate calculated? Is okay. it a percentage of the value of the house? In it's the rate imposed, which is determined. Mm-hmm. It's just a small percentage of the actual value that you have. Mm-hmm. So how to get that percentage is that there's something we call the rate imposed. It's simply decided or determined by the assembly itself. So the assembly men uh, they meet and then they decide we are taking 0.001 as the rate imposed for this year. When they multiply that 0.001 by your $1 million uh, house, it gives you a certain figure. Uh, l- let me add a little to it. We also have, they have categorized the areas into category A. For instance, East Legon, Airport, Residential, Iran, all that. Their rate may be slightly, you know, you, you get a different half from those from uh, Nima, Choco, and Order. So the rate will also the, the the community where you live will also play a key role in determining the, okay. the amount so, that you pay. Uh, how, how do you access the assembly platform? Is it just by, as in, do I need to go online or there, what if I am computer? I'm born before computer. Okay. What do I do? So we have two. You can go just on my phone right now. You will see the the code of arms. So go to Google Play Store right now. Mm-hmm. Open your Google Play Store. Mm-hmm. Just type in search for myassembly.gov.gh mm-hmm. and you will see the icon. Mm-hmm. Download it just like you download any so application. It's an app. It's an app. Mm-hmm. And then we have the web portal also. But now to for you to register your property, log on to the web portal which is www.myassembly.gov.gh mm-hmm. and the world you go through. There is another step which we have deployed a number of people thousands of people across the country Mm -hmm. to support people who want to register, who Mm -hmm. are having challenges. Like you said, BBCs, uh, people who are born before computer, Mm -hmm. there will be somebody who will come to you to assist you. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't registered or you're having challenges to register, Mm -hmm. we have our our call center numbers. You can call and Mm -hmm. somebody will be there. Or any challenge you have, just log on to Mm www.myassembly.gov and there is a button where you can put what so will I, what have. method can I use to pay it's simple mm-hmm. everything is electronic from now on so mm-hmm. 2023 property rates nobody's paying cash nobody's paying anything apart from going electronic mm-hmm. so you will pay using your momo your bank card your you can issue a check but all checks are also supposed to be issued in the name what of if I want to pay physically if you want to pay physically it is not allowed that's why some so I can't go come. to the district assembly you can't go to my, the district with assembly with my with my bill and say I want to pay my property cash to nobody they won't accept it they won't the system it. is cashless it's ca- so this cash I pay does it come to GRA or it comes to the company manager direct to uh, the assembly Whatever cash you are paying, the system is designed to give the assembly their share of the whole amount, which is 70% of the money is landing in the assembly you are paying to their account directly. This is why I heard what you were saying yesterday. Yeah, exactly. So he's saying that if I make that payment, let's assume my 1,500 cities, assume that's my thing. The seventy percent will stay with the assembly it hits before the thirty percent goes to GRA. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like GRA takes it, puts in a central pool, and then pays the assembly back. No. It hits your account directly, mm. and then the thirty percent is goes to G, uh, to to the central pool for mm. whatever. Uh, uh, and any amount that is paid to GRA, let me add this one, is paid into the consolidated fund. 
you know so even though we say we're entitled to 30 percent doesn't mean that they are going to pay the 30 percent into a special gra account no it will go to ministry of finance conservative fund and then you know um uh, so is this 30 percent by law no <laughs> not by law it's what the assemblies have been doing you see uh if you want to say by law then no, you what are applying... there's a law about property rate and as we speak the law is assemblies are supposed to collect you brought GRA to help you to collect it. So, but why is GRA taking 30% of assembly's money? Okay. No, I'm being paid by GRA. Ordinarily, I shouldn't be here. Do you get a point? But you're working for government. I'm working so for GRA. I'm not working for the, the local government or the assembly. <laughs> assembly. And a lot of GRA, so GRA, GRA charging, staff are going to play GRA key is role. charging the assemblies 30%. It's not. It's, it's based on for the work they do for the okay, assembly, for the mutual benefits. You know, no, because I'm saying that the, asse- the the collection of property rates is the duty of the assembly by law. So, and you are here to assist them to do it. Exactly. And you have decided that you are going to pay yourself thirty percent. We haven't. Decided. Or the assemblies have said we'll pay you thirty yeah. percent. Okay, let me explain. Uh-huh. Uh, the assemblies until until now mm-hmm. have been outsourcing their property rates. Mm-hmm. This is the rate most of them are already paying, even to private the, companies. To private companies. Mm-hmm. So when the new arrangement was being brought, there should be no deviation from the status quo, from the from the norm. So this thirty percent goes to the GRA for redistribution. GRA is going to ride on a certain platform. So the platform, the builders of the platform and all the people who are managing the platform will also get paid. Like my brother is saying, whenever GRA does anything, even when they exceed their targets, they hit some, uh, uh, GRA will have to get their bonuses from it. So that is also taken care of. The rest goes to sit within the consolidated fund. Let me explain why there is a 30%. Mm-hmm. The, the MMDAs, the rates that are collected there are decentralized, fully decentralized. So the 70%, nobody tells MMDCs what to do with it. Mm-hmm. If anybody is spending money, like we are sitting here now, uh, uh, we, we would have paid for it. There mm-hmm. are some other activities that government is doing behind us. And government is acquiring or engaging somebody to assist the, uh, the GRA with a platform and all that. All these things that are happening, government is paying for it. So government will have to defray that cost. And this was stated in the 2022 budget right. that government said that we are going to assist them and yeah. then look at how to You, you need to cost. come back. The time is not enough. We have to end the show. But I need, I have, I have a, a lot more questions I haven't asked you. So please rearrange and come back. When do we come back? You, you, are, you talk to the, your, your principals. <laughs> and come back. So we'll, thank, we'll thank you, Alaji Yakub Anderson, NSADA, the head of communication, myassembly.gov.gh and chief revenue officer of GRS, Alaji Yakub Anderson. Thank you. Uh, you can go on the website and read more. There certainly are. Well, our web, our uh, uh, social media handles are all active. So Wonderful. If you can just go on there all right. and we are responding to everything. Thank you very much for your time. We'll end it here. That's all we have time for for today's edition of the City Breakfast Show. I'm taking it from you. <laughs> <laughs>